You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. This is East Carolina All-American Brian Packard, and we're talking Pirate Baseball and the Sports Objective. You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. As we look back at the previous week and take a look at what's ahead. Now, let's talk Pirate Baseball. Welcome into Extra Innings here on the Sports Objective. It's our wrap-up show for 2023. We would obviously like to be talking about uh, not saying wrap-up show at a Super Regional. And guys, before I get started, um, obviously some very sad news. My great-uncle Roger Craig, who was the manager of the San Francisco Giants, passed away early Sunday morning. I actually got the news there at, at the stadium. So uh, East Carolina, unfortunately, was losing. And then I got the news, but I thought it was pretty prophetic like for me to get the news at a baseball game because that's why everybody says, why do you love baseball? It's because of my great uncle. He uh, had a great life. He passed away at the age of 93. He had some uh, um, issues with dementia the last couple of years. So I'm glad that he's not in any more pain. And actually the heart trouble um, that runs in our family got him, unfortunately. But I uh, just want to give him a shout out and thank him for all he did for baseball. 38 years in the major leagues altogether and um, had a great career in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. Thanks to Bubba. He sent me a picture back uh, a few months ago. Um, with that, but I wanted to honor him and dedicate the show to him tonight and thank him for all he did for baseball, but certainly making me a fan. And um, Bubba Rosenbaum, how you doing, man? Appreciate you very much for behind the scenes. And uh, obviously, this is not the night we wanted to have the wrap up show, but I wanted to tell fans that 47 wins. Patrick and I were in the green room talking about this. Um, for Pirate fans to say 47 wins like we're choking, it's, it's un- unreasonable. Uh, it was a great season. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 47 and 19 um, tied with, I guess, what the 1990 team and then 2001 yeah. and 2019, those three seasons, we had also won 47 games. Um, we won a four straight conference title or re- regular season title. Uh, so uh, an awful lot of accomplishments. And uh, like Coach Godwin said immediately after the game and like he said in multiple interviews since, you know, just take a deep breath. Uh, we all want Omaha so bad. It's like because uh, of that that goal of getting to Omaha, it's like at times, uh, you know, we, we don't appreciate a season like we had uh, just because of the, the hurt of not getting to Omaha. No doubt. And Matt Semenza, I know you've been there too where you've lost big games, but guess what? You had a great career uh, with the Pirates. You won a lot of big games and uh, you know, I was telling Patrick off air to me, this is what I want pirate fans to understand is the fact that expecting us to go to Omaha every year is like expecting your favorite NFL team to go to the Super Bowl every year. It's not going to happen and not making excuses for uh, Cliff Godwin. He's the most competitive guy I know, uh, maybe outside of Matt Semenza, but Matt, uh, I, I know it hurts for those guys. It really hurts for the program, the coaches, it hurts for the fans, but at the end of the day, um, I'll take, you know, we haven't lost a regional guy since 2018. Let that sink in. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, these guys did have a tremendous season. They obviously came up a little bit short, Patrick. 
in terms of their ultimate goal, which was getting to Omaha. But you look at the overall body of work and another tremendous season. Um, you really, when you watch this team compete, you just have a lot of respect because they, they come to play every night. They're never out of a game. Um, you're always going to get a full nine innings out of this team. And, you know, uh, when I look at them, you know, I'll kick this back to you guys, but when I look to them, I really believe that this particular team maximized its ability. And that's really, you know, all you can ask for in a season. So uh, looking forward though, to, to catching up with Patrick tonight and getting your thoughts. Absolutely. The beat writer for the Daily Reflector does an excellent job. And uh, you can go to reflector.com anytime like I do and read his work. Patrick Mason, a good friend now. Appreciate you, man, so much. Thank you for all that you do. I know you um, spend hours and hours. Do you ever get tired of the Pirates? Like <laughs> You're like for basketball, for men's and women's basketball. You're doing football. You're doing baseball. Um, first of all, I know you got to love sports, but uh, have you really grown to love the Pirates? Yeah, absolutely. I've definitely, definitely grown to love them. And that's the thing, like when you do this job, you know, you try to stay like objective and just kind of watch what's in front of you and, and try to be real about it. But I, I was telling, uh, telling some friends, like whenever I quit this job, I feel like East Carolina is going to be a team I'm going to follow, like, you know, you know, forever. It kind of just, you know, you get to know the fans, the fan base, you get to understand them a little bit. And yeah, you get, you, I'm kind of impressed just like how the fans really follow this team and love this team. Like if they're on the road, like you're going to see purple everywhere. And I, I think that's really cool. And uh, yeah, it's been fun. Like I remember I was driving home from Charlottesville this weekend and I'm like, man, like how is baseball over? I feel like I spent my entire spring there, like every single weekend, like, you know, right. sometimes twice during the week. And it's like, now what? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I think that I feel more like sad. This is one of the things that I was thinking about is I will always be like pulling for the Pirates until I die when it comes to baseball or fill in the blank, whatever sport. I feel bad for the seniors. Uh, when you look at Lane Hoover, Carter Spivey, Garrett Singer, those guys put in 100 years like with the program. Look how many wins those guys. Look at all the battles they had. When you think about that's la their last game, that's why I hurt is thinking about they'll never put that uniform on again. Yeah, that end of season press conference is always so difficult. And especially seeing Garrett Saylor, Carter Spivey, Lane Hoover up there, you know, and they're they're talking about it. And like it's very raw for them, but at the same time, they know like, man, like I'm not gonna be able to put on this uniform again. And it, it's tough. And but you know, when you we were talking to him about it, like Hoove, it's like he's gonna remember his whole life, those jungle jumps and the whole stadium yelling Hoove when he comes to bat and like you know, stuff like that, it, it takes, you know, he's going to take with him forever. So that part's cool. But, yeah, it, it's it's really tough when it comes to an end like that, especially for those seniors. Bringing in Kyle from LaGrange Barber. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? I, for some reason, I think we're starting until 9. Uh, but, uh, anyway, I don't know what's been covered so far. But, yeah, um, good season. Hate to see it come to an end. Um, we yeah. should have been, obviously, to state the obvious, as Penn stated, we should have been hosting or – at worst, man, you know, my biggest gripe was to so much not hosting is you, you look at all the regionals around the country and you, you take the top eight seeds. And if ECU was arguably a one seed, just, you know, if us and Southern Miss maybe perhaps were the next two left out from hosting, how in the hell are we the two seed at UVA? We, we should have, you know, we, we should have been the Auburn. two seed at, at Auburn or Alabama <laughs> or, or, or uh, you know, several different regionals i think it was a brutal and it wasn't fair to virginia either now they came out of it unscathed but 
If I was Virginia, I'd have been a little ticked off about getting us as a two seed. It's almost but, like having two number ones. And, and uh, yeah. you make a great point, Kyle. Uh, with all the fans talking about, you know, that I'm hearing, like I was, Kyle, you haven't heard this yet, but I was telling the guys behind the scenes that I was hearing some people say that we're choking, you know, social media. Let me tell you something. Choking is Auburn. Choking is Alabama. Because well, Dave, you, you get hung up on one or two people saying something negative. Most people don't feel that way. I know. You know why even acknowledge those people? I mean, we, no, we didn't choke. Now, you know, last year in game two, we choked against Texas. We yes. had that game one and we choked. But no, what, what happened at UVA was not choking. No, they were the best team. They are a number one seed. Um, but if you get a number one seed, you should win the regional, right? It's, that's why my point is if you, they – the people gave – there was a couple teams in SEC, like Chuck said, SEC bias. Alabama and Auburn should have not been hosting. Nah, Auburn was an absolute joke if you look at that regional. And, and really, they had an easy regional beyond Southern Miss with yep. Penn and Sanford and couldn't get through it. And the USM's credit, they came out the loser's bracket. And now they're hosting Tennessee. And congrats to the NCAA committee for doing the right thing and giving Southern Miss the Supers instead of putting it in Knoxville. I felt like they almost had to with given the SEC eight regionals and their performance, the league's performance in those regionals. Um, and then Southern Miss won an SEC regional. So I felt like you had to put it in Hattiesburg, but I was scared they wouldn't. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're recapping the Pirates season. I'm getting off on the tangent about a lot of different things. But anyway, back to the Pirates. Yeah. Did you guys feel like with the season as a whole, like, you know, with we were a bubble number one seed the whole time. Like it was a bubble number one. So it was like, if you look at it, the season for me as a whole, uh, going back to the, uh, the three Campbell games, people said, why did we host? I would say the three Campbell games, the Houston series and that Wichita state um, series were the reasons why we didn't host. Because if you flip, those are, if you look at the Campbell games, I know Bubba uh, helped me out. Wasn't it like eight one run games? So if you flip a half of those or a handful of those, we would definitely be hosting, and we lost by one run. It hurts. Yeah, I, I know going into the postseason, um, you know, you know, the NCAA tournament, that is, um, obviously we had 17 losses, and uh, at least eight of those were by one run. And, th- and then we, of course, had a, so, few, by, a few by two runs. And so just some of those close games, um, be it the three against Campbell or he um, had a one-run loss at NC State. Um, then, yeah, I think the sweep the North Carolina, Carolina game. But um, yeah, you just really take a pick of any of those. Um, even even with the sweep at Wichita State, if you win two or three of those one-run games that we just mentioned, and instead of what forty-five and seventeen, um, if you were if you were forty-seven and. 47 and 15 or something of that nature, you, you're probably probably hosting because of the caliber of those wins. But, uh, you know, like, like Cliff said, he said, uh, we, ju- we quite frankly just didn't do enough. He said as much as it pained him to say it, um, Campbell deserved to, to host, even though they, they, they did. Uh, he, he said had they hosted, they would have deserved it more than us because they beat us three times head to head. Hey, well, were there, wouldn't they have? I don't know. You can argue that. I don't know how much better the American was than the Big South this year. On paper, it should have been a lot better, but it really wasn't. Um, I, I I think that's another thing that hurt us with going back and hosting is the American was the, was, was a bad league this year. And I think in baseball, 
Um, that is one way the American is improving. I don't think it is in football or basketball, but in baseball, uh, with the additions of UTSA, Florida Atlantic, um, both two pretty good baseball teams. Charlotte was a regional team. Um, and um, Rice traditionally is a power. Maybe they'll get their baseball back on track. But uh, I, I think conference, the, the, the new American with this conference USA schools coming in will have at least a significant more quad two wins next year, we should, um, or an opportunity for that um, in league play. Thank you, Kyle, for bringing that up. I was going to talk about that. And by the way, basketball is going to be better. FAU and UAB. I don't know about better, but I don't think it's going yeah, they to drop are. off. FAU made the Final Four. You have right. Well, but still, you have- well, you're talking about one year, Dave. You're talking about one year. I'm talking about traditionally Cincinnati, you know, Houston, et cetera. Losing Houston, I mean, they're, they're right now a top five program. So, I mean, I, I, I do think it's not going to be as big of a, a – a, we're talking baseball, but I don't think the basketball league is going to take a big of a step back as it looked like it would at one time. No doubt. And uh, Patrick, with the, like you said, one of the things that Bubba and uh, JR, Johnny Robertson, I know um, one of our great friends and viewers and listeners, uh, they understand the RPI better than I do. Um, but I just, that's one thing I know Cliff talked about is uh, he made a great point. And Kyle, you brought this up too. How, how can you lose? How can you not lose? How can you sweep USF and you go down five places, you know, like in the RPI when you're winning on the road? It doesn't matter to me. You can't be penalized to me about the league you're in because you can't help that those guys are not as good. And I understand they're not SEC quality teams, but at the same time, we're still winning games. It's very difficult to win, especially in baseball. When you have 56 regular season games, you're not going 56 and 0. Um, so to me, that's one of the things that baseball has got to get their act together when it comes to college baseball is the RPI is all over the place, about as bad as umpires with a strike zone. Yeah, that was <laughs> Coach Godwin's thing. And I'm sure, um, you know, Patrick, uh, you know, having dealt with him game in, game out and so forth can uh, elaborate some here as well. But um, that's what Cliff said. Just he said it blew his mind that because you get more points for a road win so you win three road games and like you said you you drop as opposed to he said if we held serve you know stayed where we were then fine but uh he said it makes no sense to win three games on the road and drop yeah that was the thing like going into every american series you're thinking like it's a lose-lose situation right like you either have to sweep and take care of business but like one loss just like just craters you and that was such a shame. I, I think we were talking there, interviewing Cliff after the um, the AAC tournament uh, on that Zoom interview, and he was saying, like, for whatever reason, the conference just didn't help us out at all this year. It was a bad, essentially, you know, said it's a bad conference, and it's something. It's not our fault. It shouldn't be our fault, but you know, it, it didn't do us any favors at all. Like, like I said, if you lose, you're you're dropping, you know, ten spots. If you win, apparently, you know, you're still going to drop, but you can't really control that. And it, it just they didn't do them any favors, no matter what they could do. No, it was tons of quad three, uh, maybe even some quad four teams in the American this year. I, Bubba, I don't know if you have time to look it up, but I'm curious to know Charlotte, UTSA, Florida Atlantic, for example, and even Rice, despite their program being horrendous these days. Uh, how many of those teams are quad two? Um, I, I think the leagues it's yeah. significantly improved from at least a quad two standpoint. Yep. 
Yeah, I know Charlotte, when they um, were entering the tournament, they were in the mid to high 60s, maybe 67th or something. But uh, I'll, I'll have that information on those six teams here momentarily. Okay. Yeah, that really hurt. That hurt us. But this year with uh, UTSA, uh, like you said, Charlotte, there's there's good baseball that's, that's coming our way. And so um, I, I'm really happy about that because I, I really believe the very fact that we can – we will do fine. I bet we're, I mean, with respect, another thing is I got to give credit for D1 baseball and all the polls, not that they matter. I know Cliff doesn't, but if you look at it, they gave us a lot of, they gave us a lot of respect this year and we're not used to seeing that. Uh, how about baseball America? They usually, uh, the guys on this show talk about ACC bias. They were so, uh, they were so good to us this year. So I got to give a shout out to the polls. That means that our program, they respect our program even more um, than they ever have. So that's another positive. I'm well, Dave. You want you want to talk about a real a, a real proof? Of should we have hosted or not? Um, the NCAA odd, the Vegas odds yeah. um, for teams to win the College World Series of the sixty four teams that were in after the field was announced on Memorial Day, we were the fourteenth most likely team to win the national championship. So if we're the 14th most likely team based on Vegas odds to win the national championship, don't that ought to mean we should have had one of the 16 host sites? Yes. I mean, Vegas don't give a damn about, about what conference you're in. All they care about is money and odds. And, and that's that's a pretty good barometer of measurement to say if we should have hosted or not. The fact that we were 14 out of 64 on odds to win the national championship on Memorial Day when those odds that- came out. I was going to say, and that just goes back to, like, if you're looking at RPI, like, does that really tell you what the best, you know, teams are? And I, and I don't think so. I don't think Cliff does either. And and that's the thing. It's like, is RPI an end-all, be-all? And apparently this year it was, but, you know, it, it definitely doesn't tell you who the best teams were. No. With the um, with the non, our non-conference and our strength of schedule was top ten, correct? Uh, give, give me a, give me a moment for that. Um, I was actually on the RPIs for the incoming team, and then I'll and then I'll get to that. Uh, but uh, you have Charlotte sixty-seven, UTSA seventy-fifth, FAU eighty-second, uh, Rice one hundred and sixty-seventh, and then UAB one eighty-nine. Okay, so three of them, three of them, if they hold serve from what they were last year, yes. will be quad two wins if we were to go win those series. Yes, correct. And, and, you know, I was trying to explain to a friend of mine who's followed college baseball for a year but was really confused about quad one, quad two. And I said, you know, I said, really, you know, losing to a quad one opponent, if you have it, you can lose all your quad one games. And if you beat all the quad two opponents, your RPI is going to be almost in the top 10. Yes, that's correct. And it just amazed me, though, but I, I think. I, I swear our non-conference was something like seventh, and then like our strength of schedule was like for the RPI was like ninth or something like. That. I mean, it was way up there. So that's another thing, uh, Kyle. Yeah, is- I got that information um, for the the non-conference RPI tenth. Tenth, okay. The, the non-conference strength of schedule eleventh. Yeah, I mean, so that's doing all you can do in terms of what you can control right. uh, with with the teams you schedule non-conference. I I don't think we need to do anything to. Strengthen our non. I mean, you look at the teams we played. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana's playing Kentucky right now in the Supers. Right. Um. You, you know, you, you got, you got. Um. Of course, UNC, NC State. You know, uh, always good. Um. So, uh, yeah, 
Long Beach, uh, they missed. The, did they miss the Long Beach making in guys? I'm sorry. No, they they were um, they had a decent year, but no, they did not make. They're uh, 33 and 22, and they had an RPI of 87. They were close. Okay. Um, well, nonetheless, our, our our non-conference schedule is is fine, and I think the league situation is going to improve itself. So uh, if we ha- if, if we do if we come out of the season conference champions next year to have a similar record and we're not hosting, um, something's very wrong. And kind of going back to what you were saying about those Vegas odds, Kyle, uh, and some projections from the, the guys at D1 Baseball who I, who I have a lot of respect for. I think they do a tremendous job of covering the game. And um, they had 11 writers that made predictions. Four of those picked the Pirates, seven picked Virginia, and that's about what I would have guessed and um, perhaps even a little bit better than I would have guessed. Uh, I, I felt like going into the regional that we could definitely win it. If I had to have picked somebody, I think I'd have gone with Virginia, um, but uh, would, would not have surprised me whatsoever. You, I mean, you saw in that, that winner's bracket game, the Pirates lost two to one, had a lot of hard hit yeah. balls, and that was, that was just uh, – like I heard Mike Mullis and some others say, I mean, that was just uh, the ultimate college baseball game, you know, you know, very well played. And, you know, you had a combined, what, 14 hits between the two teams. Uh, and But you had a lot of really well hit balls and just didn't go the Pirates' way. And then, and then we played very well on Sunday night for six innings and then just ran into a wall there. One of the bigger problems also with UVA was – Last time we went to Charlottesville, we won the regional. They came here last year. We eliminated them in the regionals. We scrimmaged them before the season. They know us. There's some rivalry there. It ain't like they were going to – sometimes coming in as a two-seed, even in college baseball, though you, you shouldn't have this perception of East Carolina in college baseball like football. You, if you're going to come into the two-seed from a non – it would have been nicer – it would have been nice to go to an Auburn or even a Kentucky or somewhere like that or maybe they're not as familiar with us where we could have just came in and just beat the snot out of them. But Virginia was, they were sitting on go. I mean, we, 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 you know, they, they wanted that game. I mean, it, it, you know, we've handled them. We've really owned them in the postseason. you know? So it was, by the way, how, how many damn times are we going to play Virginia in the postseason of baseball? I mean, come on, community. The game was very similar like it's to every year. Last yeah. year, and I know Patrick, you, know, you were there covering that uh, four to two game a year ago at Clark Leclerc, where both teams had six hits, and um, and really it could could have gone either way. Just like Saturday night, um, we made a few more plays last year. They made a few more this year. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and that's the thing we talked about even with the uh, Virginia coach Brian O'Connor, just about the nature of baseball, right? Like that winners bracket game, it's everyone's hitting the ball hard. They're hitting line drives right at people. And then the game winning hit is like some, you know, he gets fisted on the inside of his bat and he just dumps one into right field. And that's the game winning hit. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to tip your cap to baseball. Like at the end of the day, it's like, you're hitting the ball hard. Either team could have won this game. And it's not like it wasn't uncompetitive. That was one of the more competitive games. It was probably the most competitive game all weekend. (laughs) Yes, it was. Yeah. You look at that team, guys. I mean, they're just so explosive offensively. They just they present so many challenges for you, you know, with with Geloff and Teal right in the heart of that lineup. I mean, those two guys right there 
just presents so many challenges for your staff and, you know, and your pitching. Um, and then obviously, you know, you, you, you throw in the pitcher, Nick Parker, who transferred in, you know, from, from coastal and gave us so many problems last well, and by year. By the way, Matt, what are the odds of that? happening? Exactly. I mean, it's really, and you know, very slim, obviously, but the thing about Nick Parker is he played so well against us last year in the regional. He was extremely confident going into game one. Yep. I mean, he, you know, in his mind, he's saying to himself, hey, I've been here before. You know, I pitched against these guys before, and I'm going to have a, a great game. So really confident player. What a huge addition for, for Virginia, Patrick. I mean, so when you look at this team, I'm just curious. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you see as the, the potential for them moving forward here as we – you know, get into the supers. Yeah, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. Like, really, the knock on Virginia is just their pitching, and it's not like it's bad. You know, I mean, like you said, that offense is incredible. Like the top five hitters, I mean, two of the guys are top thirty MLB prospects. You know, especially Kyle Teal. I mean, I feel like every time he was coming up to the plate, something you know he was going to make something happen. Geloff is you know incredible hitter, and then, like you said, Nick Parker. Um, when we were talking to the coach, you know, he was saying. Him and his staff rewatched that ECU um, Coastal game um, when uh, Nick Parker went to the transfer portal. And he was saying, like, that game right there sold us. To be able to perform like that in a hostile environment, in a regional, um, that, that sold him. Like, we're, we got to get this guy to Virginia. And I'm sure they're thinking, hey, we're going to be matched up with ECU at some point down the road. And he's our, he's our ace in the hole. And that's exactly what he was. I mean, he, you know, also, you know, just like lineup construction, too, with so many – left-handed hitters nick parker has one of the better change-ups in college baseball and that's just you know everything just worked out well for them that day I yeah, think, I think I'm wrong. go ahead no i was gonna say i mean you know you, you just get off and teal i mean they just those guys are so dynamic if you mm -hmm. make a single mistake against those guys they're gonna take advantage of it all day and um you know just two i was so impressed with both of those guys and you know, Teal especially, I mean, he's just such a great offensive player. You hang anything over the plate and he's going to take advantage of it. So uh, that's a team I really think, you know, they can make some noise. Oh, they, can they can certainly win it all. And um, like you mentioned, uh, with, with Geloff and on the heart of that lineup, um, you know, for the most part, uh, we did a tremendous job. Geloff, what, struck, struck out three times on Saturday nights and uh, – I'm, I may be mixing my games up. I know, I know one of those games, it was really – it was the six and seven hole that killed us. Uh, Saturday the, night. It was Saturday yeah, night. Bro. The six and seven hole were the, the guys that killed us. Yeah. I was going to say, for me, like when – I think it was that Sunday night game when uh, ECU is the home team. It just, you know, kind of works out that way. And I'm thinking like, all right, we got Zach Root on the mound. And just how it shakes out, the visitors get to hit first. So, like, you know, you right off the bat, you got to work through that lineup. And that's so difficult. And, you know, he was able to do that. It just gave him a chance. I feel like just getting through that is the biggest side you can have. You know, it's like, all right, now now we can go. It's just tough when that team leads off with all those guys. Yeah. When, when Zachary made that uh, made that play on the popped-up bunt, uh, I, was yeah. like, okay. I was like, okay, here we go. This is, yep. uh, is going to be our night. And guys, and he had to get four outs in that inning too. If you look back at the Sunday night game um, in the uh, in the eighth, um, with two outs, bases loaded, uh, we were inches away from tying that thing up. And then who the hell knows what happens? Yeah, yeah. When that when that ball came off Jacob Starling's bat, uh, I thought he maybe pulled it a bit more than what he did, um, but I, I knew it had a shot. And then of course they caught it right there at the the warning track. 
you know, heartbreaking. I mean, I, I thought it was gone, and you know, here we go, tied up. You know, all the momentum, and unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But hey, the cool part just being in that in that moment was it just sort of tells you how this team all year was able to battle back from from different scenarios, like just you know, big picture stuff, you know, losing the opening game of the tournament and having to battle back. But even like in microcosm in one game, you know, you get smacked in the face there, you know, you're up two to one and all of a sudden you're down four to two. But then to be in that situation to load the bases again and just be in that spot to be one swing away just kind of shows you the fight of this team and and just how they were always, always there. No yeah. doubt. And um, one of the things that people are asking is about like who's going to, we'll get to that later on, but people are asking about, who's going to be here next season and yeah. who's going to, it's kind of hard to know, but uh, we can talk about that. I know that uh, Bubba Johnny Robertson had a great point. Yeah. We'll certainly, you know, dive into the 2024 roster here in a few minutes, but uh, Johnny Robertson was talking about uh, how well the pirates ran the bases this year and you know, specifically stealing bases. Um, you know, you had a guy like Jacob Starling that I think he was what eight out of 18 out of 19 or 19 out of 20. Um, you had, um, no walk who was, who was so good. Um, you know, Lane Hoover, 13 out of 15. And then, uh, Nathan Chrisman, you know, he, he would often be called upon in, in a pinch runner role. Yeah. We, uh, I actually asked Cliff about this after one of the games, just some, you know, regular season game. I asked him about their success stealing bases and he was saying that they really took a good view at it this year of being opportunistic about trying to steal in proper situations and really taking a hard look at like when are really good counts to to run in when are good situations to run and you could see that that they actually paid a, a lot of attention to it this year and it, it really worked out and it was exciting i love that brand of baseball it's aggressive and i know some people will say oh my gosh when when they get thrown out but to me the small ball aspect you know when you can bunt, you know, the hit and run, the the safety. How about the – one of my favorite plays plays in baseball would be the squeeze or safety squeeze. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but it's just such a cool uh, play, and I love the fact that Cliff Godwin has the balls, I'll say it, to to do that. Yeah, yeah and one, thing, <laughs> one thing about that, if we're going to be playing that brand of baseball, you know, and I hate to gripe, but – we, we got to get better at bunting. And we're not a terrible bunting team, but as much as we attempt to bunt, slash bunt, fake a bunt, um, we, we need to be make sure we execute at it 90% of the time. And I feel like we're more than 75% of the time kind of kind of average there on executing in those situations with the bunt. But uh, um, small ball is fun. I, it is aggravating to get ran out of an inning, you know, when you run yourself out of an inning. But if you can execute it, and we did, uh, particularly stealing bases more times than not this year, um, it's very exciting to watch and adds another element, particularly, you know, we had some power this year, but not as much power as last year. And if uh, if you're not going to have power, then being able to steal a bag is, uh, you know, it makes it a huge advantage. Think about in those Oklahoma games, um, you know, when – you know, we were looking for a spark, you know, looking to you know, establish an early lead. And especially that second Oklahoma game where, where they took the early lead and then um, the Pirates were playing catch-up, um, we, you know, weren't having a whole lot to, of success offensively. And we, we laid down a few bunts, had a 
free pass or a few mixed in there. And then all of a sudden you have a four or five run inning. And then next thing you know, uh, JJC is teeing off and uh, Justin Wilcoxon's teeing off. And, and that's really demoralizing, as we've said uh, time and again, about uh, about the effect of, of the short game like we've become and uh, you know so proficient at. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a part of the game that some people avoid or they ignore. And I think it's a reason why you see up on the screen there right now, we have 47 wins. That kind of stuff is – and I think that the – as far as the Pirates are concerned, it's like we have a lot of talent, and those kind of things are the difference of winning and losing. And so, for me, uh, I, I love it. I absolutely I think uh, appreciate that, JR, for putting that up there. And the flip side of that, guys, of the coin, if you will – is Wilcoxon throwing out so many guys like this year. I felt like our defense on stealing bases was also good. So you want to talk about stealing bases, and then your your catcher is very good at throwing people out. Man, that's a huge advantage in my opinion. Yeah, and just kind of like how Matt said at the top, of just like this team really did maximize the talent they had, and that's the type of the stuff that you, you have to do to do that, right? Like you do the little things well. You know, you move guys along, you do some hit and run stuff. And then Wilcoxon taking a huge step defensively, just throwing, being able to throw guys out. Like in that Oklahoma game, um, in that loser's bracket game in the first inning, you know, Oklahoma's trying to push the envelope and start something. And, uh, you know, he throws a guy out at second and, and that turns out to be huge. Yeah, I knew that was a point that you had made, uh, Patrick, I'm just talking about going into the regional you heard about chaos and everything Oklahoma did, stealing uh, close to 110 bases and just wreaking half, havoc um, with the way they play. And obviously we didn't allow a whole lot of traffic on the bases. That's part of it. But then when they did have traffic on the bases in that second matchup with the Sooners, um, they had a chance early to really you know, build a four or five run advantage and because of uh, the Pirates' ability to, to control that chaos on the, the bases um, and some, some critical pitches there by um, different Pirate hurlers, you had uh, a one-run deficit or a two-run deficit as opposed to a four- or five-run deficit. I, I want to say the Sooners probably left at least five or six in the first three innings. That's right. It was it was a lot, and, and uh, that's something to be proud of because that was one – like their ace in the hole, so to speak, is their base running and how great they were stealing bases. And we actually have improved, I think, like uh, Johnny said, in that category. And next year will be even better. And and guys, uh, I don't know if you guys have anything else to say about uh, this year, but uh, we want to definitely talk about next season before we let uh, – I know, Patrick, I don't know how long you can stay with us, but certainly uh, we wanted to talk about the 24 season before we go. Yeah, I'll throw one at Patrick on that just to kind of segue over, Dave. Um, you know, Patrick, when you watched, you know, I, I watched all these games on TV uh, just being so far away. I couldn't make the regional. But one of the things the ESPN broadcasters talked all, I mean, consistently about in every game was the fact that, you know, we have so many lefty batters in the lineup. We're such a lefty heavy uh, lineup uh, this year. What are your thoughts moving forward? Um, do you think we're going to make some attempts to diversify that a little bit? And do you think that that's something that kind of caught up with us a little bit this year? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, ideally, you, you'd love some more righties in that lineup. And like I was saying, like, it, it's you had this feeling when you're at the game and like, 
I'm sure watching it as well, every time Jacob Starling came up, you were just like, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like, wow, like this pitcher on the mound gets a different look. You know, he's not facing seven straight lefties. And it, it, and also it just makes it more difficult for opponents to just how they shake out their own bullpen and their pitching. You know, like if, if you're, if you're warming up a guy or if you got, you know, some late inning, you know, issues, you could say, all right, there's five lefties coming up. You know, I know who I'm going to go to my bullpen. And, you know, and that's not to say East Carolina, that the left-handed hitters couldn't hit lefties, but you, you just want more balance. And I know I asked Cliff about it. It was that Long Beach State game in the Clark O'Claire Classic. I asked Cliff about it, and he was not happy about the, the question about, you know, oh, you know, we're, we're fine. But I'm sure he's thinking, yeah, we need some more, we need some more balance. And I think that would go a long way just to, to help mix things up a little bit. And like I said, just at the very least, just get a different look for these guys, get them off their mark a little bit, just show a different look. And I think moving forward, you'd like to see at least, you know, maybe if not even, you know, maybe three, three righties or something, you know, depending on how the lineup looks, you got to have some sort of balance in baseball. Patrick, just to ask you, uh, you, you mentioned total cliff post game and uh, I know Dave's taking a part of some of those press conferences, but you do it on a consistent basis. Um, I, uh, Cliff seems to be a very uh, intense guy post game. How, how um, is he intimidating when you're down there asking him questions, or how, how does he come across? Because he, he seems very tense after games. Yeah, he's definitely really tense, and I don't know. Maybe I don't know if intimidating is the word, but he he's definitely like you know he tries to stare through you, and I I think I think what my read on it is he's. He's a really good coach, and I really think he wants to control the message and he wants to, to support his players. And I feel like a lot of the questions he might take being like you're questioning him or you're kind of attacking some of his decisions, um, when really you're, you're just kind of asking, you know, you're just kind of curious. Um, but, yeah, you know, he, he definitely has a – I think when he goes into those sessions, he's thinking like, all right, like what am I going to get here? Like how can I, you know, bat this down and how can I, you know, kind of get my message across and – um, and that, that's kind of how I view it. I definitely don't take it personally, but I, I think he's definitely, uh, you know, he, he doesn't like being, seems like he's being questioned, but really it's, we're just kind of curious about, you know, how, how this thing shakes out. Well, when, you're the, when you're the head coach of any division one program and you're successful, oh, well, even if you're not successful, um, but you're going to be questioned more so if you're not successful. And, uh, you know, I think Cliff realizes that he just don't like it, but, uh, right. Yeah. He doesn't uh, like it, but, I, you know. I, 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 you know, hopefully we don't ever find this out, but God Damati, if he ever goes somewhere like Oxford or Baton Rouge. Right. Yeah. There's going to be more scrutiny in bigger places. I mean, it's just yeah. how it is, but I feel like at ECU, you know, if you go to like a post game, I mean, there's a couple of TV stations, there's, you know, at least what a handful of reporters there. I mean, it's a pretty good media contingent there as well. But uh, I mean, right. that's the thing. Like we all, we all got a, a job to do. And um, you know, when you're asking questions, it's like, Hey, you know, I got something to write. People are wor- wondering about this. Like, like I said, the only real dust up we had was when I was asking him about how many lefties they had yeah. in the lineup. And he, he did not like that, but it's a fair question because people are watching games as well. And they're wondering it as well. Yeah. And, and uh, going back to uh, your question, Kyle, I think Matt, uh, bringing Matt in uh, to me, there's similarities. I'm not saying they're the same person, Logan. Yep. Logan. Um, because Logan, when he saw that red light on Patrick, I know that was way before your time, but, uh, Matt knows where I'm going and all the guys do. Logan was the most intense guy as far as being a coach, but
but he was funny as hell off the air. Logan hated the media. But he was just like, and then I'll tell you, our buddy Pirate Then he Al, became the media. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, our buddy Pirate Al, when they used to allow, they need to allow phone calls. It's ridiculous on the coaches show. or just don't have one. But anyway, yes, I said that. It's not just us. It's everybody. Oh, I know that, but still. I agree with you. It's just, they're Pirate, useless Pirate now. Al. Yeah, they're, they're passe. Uh, but Pirate Al is one of our good friends. And he, but even back in the day before I knew Pirate Al, Pirate Al is legendary. And he would ask, it's the same thing as the media. He would ask legitimate questions. Al's not saying, like, we have a lot of respect for Al. Al's not saying, Coach Logan, you suck. You're a tell None of that kind of stuff, right? He's asking a legitimate question. And he go and Logan would be like, I don't know, Al. And he's like John Wayne to him. It's like, <laughs> You, know. you, you want a you want a funny? I'll give you a funny story real fast. The the greatest, you know, I, I'm notorious for back in the day my calls on Pirate Radio when Jeff Confer was here and Scotty Montgomery was head coach and you know I was being fed information by a group of people that really have some 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 um nothing to know about Jeff Confer and Cecil State and then I was the one in charge of getting it out there because uh, I really don't have a important job to worry about. <laughs> so I was being fed a lot of information calling Pirate Radio and saying exactly. stuff. And, um, but anyway, uh, one of my greatest phone calls ever, just, just a personal thing, just a coach show. I think y'all will find this humorous. So, I, Bob, I might have told you this story before. I'm not sure. When Ellis Johnson was the head coach of Southern Miss, one of my best friends in the world is a Southern Miss fan. And I knew he'd be listening to the college show. Oh, and you guys so. remember the disaster that was Ellis Johnson at Southern Miss? Oh, my it, God. Where he turned a 12 win season, he turned a 12 win football team into an 0 and 12 team the very next year. Um, and weren't even competitive. But, uh, Ellis was getting phone calls, people asking him to resign and step down. And I called in as a, you know, Kyle from Greenville, North Carolina. I said, hey, I'm an East Carolina fan. We play in the same conference, Southern Miss. And, you know, I said, you know, I, uh, I actually would really like for you to stay the head coach of Southern Miss and all these people asking you to step down. I think it's a crying shame because as long as you're at USM, the Pirates will have a guaranteed win every year. So please stay in Hattiesburg. <laughs> wow I, I think just kind of just capping that too i feel like just as we get further like we're in year 2023 i feel like there's so many different media entities like these coaches and these programs i i think like need the media less and less to get their message out and i feel like a lot of them are starting mm. to see this as a, as a chore to talk to us you know after a win or a loss they got to stand up there and you know answer to whatever and you know, but I, I, it's part of the job and they got to do it. But I think it's just like for to them, it's like a less and less necessity for them to do it. Yeah, Bubba, they've actually uh, he had to talk about, well, just think about all the crazy stuff that happened. Getting thrown out after a game, he and Moylan, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I mean, it was a bizarre. If you think about it, too, as far as Cliff being a coach, if you're looking at through the lens of. What, what the hell was the whole story with the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Well, that was well, as it turned out, it was not a Uncrustable. It was a Jersey Mike's number eight. Oh, and okay. So they apparently you know, had a maybe a party tray of Jersey Mike's uh, number eight in the – or whatever, subs in the dugout. And the way the umpire wrote it up in his report, it said that Josh Groves um, grabbed a handful of deli meat – <laughs> and, sho- and shoved it down his teammate's throat. <laughs> that would never ever happen. No dude is going to ever do that to your friend. I don't care if it's celebratory or not. 
and Josh I, Groves. Says oh, I can totally see a couple guys doing that, just having fun with each other. It's just Josh a bad Gray's rule that is totally, uh, totally innocent. That it was just you know, he was there eating the sandwich, and then Starling happened to lead off the bottom of the first with the home run, and he yeah still had a couple yeah. bites of his sandwich, and so he said, "Here, Jacob, you deserve this." Basically. Yeah, who gives a shit? I mean, is it, that that's just totally ridiculous. I mean, j- just p- completely ridiculous. It's an umpire that's taking his job way too seriously. And then they said the warning came uh, when they he said that he told him to to back up, and then they d- didn't back up, and then so it resulted in an ejection. Yeah, that was to me that was uh, being bigger than the game. Um, not, not getting off a tangent of umpires, but to me. Um, k- kicking a guy out for that, he didn't. He, it's not like that he charged the mound, like you know, or anything like like some of the stuff we've seen in Major League Baseball. There was oh, no he call. shoved his mate in anybody's mouth. Well, uh, so <laughs> anyway, so that was cra- I'm just saying that crazy, it was a crazy year with different things happening, and that's what coaches don't want to talk about is like that kind of crazy stuff happening, and kind of. Taking this back toward baseball uh, at least a little bit, and then we'll get um, get toward the uh, 2024 roster. But uh, kind of what Patrick was saying earlier, they're they're most definitely stupid questions. And uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of those reasonable questions, like Patrick was saying, Cliff knows that, uh, especially after a loss. He doesn't want to address those. Um, that that he's talking with the media. He's not. He's not having a conversation. Uh, you know, with with the coaching staff. You know, some of the some of the some of the questions are legitimate, but uh, you know, they're not going to be received well because of when they're when they're asked. Uh, he because he's talking, like I said, to the media, not Jeff Palumbo or Austin Knight. Right. Yeah, and just like just real quick on that too, like I, I think it was a Sunday game when Virginia they're going to their bullpen and they're and they're trying to play matchups. Remember that the one pitcher, I think he's their Virginia's potential quarterback, but he pitched through one pitch to Jacob yep. Starling. He was a right-hander, and then they immediately went back to a left-hander. So they're they're playing matchups, and you know if you have all right, we got Jacob Starling out now, we got seven straight lefties. It's easy easier for them to play matchups. So it, I think it's a valid concern moving forward. I'll tell you, if you could have seen that pitcher's face on TV, guys. I mean, you were in the stadium. Kyle, you you were watching it on TV, but he, he was so pissed. I mean, to come into a game like that and throw one pitch yep. and then get yanked, I mean, that's got to hurt your pride, especially when you're in a regional, you're on national TV in front of your home uh, fan base. Uh, I, I almost – I'll tell you, I almost felt bad for the kid for a second there. Not too bad, but a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, what has, just yeah. just a matchup thing, and uh, you know, obviously, people that follow the game closely uh, realize that Cliff Godwin's not the only one that will make a move like that. But um, that's one one of those things. It's a thing of the past in the MLB because now you you have the uh, minimum there where where you can't just come in and throw one pitch like you used to. To a yeah, the lefty specialist in Major League Baseball is gone, yeah. and that's why it is a lefty specialist. There, it's hard to hit against lefties for whatever reason. You know, there's like a funky delivery sometimes, and it is what it is. No doubt. Uh, let's move on to uh, 2024. I just want to get your early thoughts on the team next season, and I'll start with Patrick being our guest. Yeah. So um, I guess just 
kind of big picture, I guess we could start with pitching. Um, I think the starting rotation is pretty bright. Um, I think Zach Root will definitely slide into a weekend rotation slot. Um, you know, he was their midweek starter for most of the year, and you could see he pitched really well in the the regional. Um, Trey Savage, I'm sure he still has another uh, another step to climb, and he was phenomenal in his first year as a starter. I know his arm kind of got tired out there near the end of the regular season, um, but just I think the weekend rotation especially is is really bright. Um, even if you look at a guy like Jake Hunter, I remember him as a true freshman last year. He was throwing about 88, 89 miles an hour. And he was up to about 92, like low 90s this year. So just adding ticks to the fastball was huge. Maybe we could see him. Um, I think, I guess, 2024, Josh Moylan, if I had to guess, he might be a, a draft candidate. He's probably gone. He's he gone. had a really strong year. and He was probably the team's best hitter all year, consistent best hitter. Um, but I think a lot of this bulk will come back. I'm sure some players have decisions to make, like Will Coxon. Um, he's a four-year player. He has a decision to make on draft and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, even guy like Joey Barini, you know, I'm sure all of us were thinking, I don't know, is this the right move at shortstop? I mean, going into the year, you know, he was pegged as a starting shortstop. And I mean, I, I'll admit it. I was, I was kind of shaky about it. I don't know if he's, you know, the long-term answer here, but you know, he has, he was a great bat, you know, I don't know if his range and stuff can play like that, but um, he was pretty good. So I think we're, you're going to miss some pieces for sure. Like, like I said, Josh Moylan, but I think the starting rotation looks really good. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what some of these guys do with the draft. Yeah. My, uh, my take on next year, you know, you wonder who's going to enter the portal. Uh, hopefully not many. Hopefully we, we, we keep most of our guys. Um, uh, the, the, the big, the, the big controversy, Cliff doesn't like the portal, doesn't like working the portal. Uh, he indicated that he would work at some this year. Uh, just not overly. Um, I actually, you know, understand he, he he prefers culture and he wants to have players and develop them and get his, you know, have them be a part of our culture. But speaking of our culture, our fan base in our stadium, you know, Long Beach State did a video that was on Twitter, and almost every one of their players, they were they were being asked what was their favorite away game this year, and it, it, almost every one of their players said Greenville Park was player. And, you know, somebody had us as the best college baseball stadium and all or best atmosphere in all college baseball. And, I would think the portal, you know, a lot of guys would might – he might do really well in the portal because guys want to come here to experience this atmosphere because there's a lot of good baseball players out there, but there ain't a lot of places that have the kind of atmosphere that Clark LeClaire has and the kind of fan base we do, particularly outside of the SEC. I would, I would venture to say outside of the SEC and Big 12 and maybe Clemson from the ACC, we might have the best fan base in all of college baseball. Yeah, and just going off the portal stuff, too, the way I took it was he's not going to, I guess, build this team with a core through the portal. But, yeah, yeah I think he's, he's, he's going to look. Right. Yeah, but he's going you know, to look at some pieces and say, hey, we need this bullpen arm. Or, hey, maybe we need a, right. you know, a third baseman or a first baseman this year. And he can go find guys like that. But I don't think he's ever going to build it through, this, through the portal. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to just you know, not look at it at all. He, he's definitely going to find some guys and try to get them here. Yeah, because we've yeah. done it in the past, um, especially the relief pitchers, Tyler Brott, Willie Lumpkin, um, going back a couple years. Carter Cunningham, right? Yeah, Ben Terwilliger. Uh, yeah, Carter Cunningham uh, had begun his career at <clears throat> at uh, Gardner-Webb. So, yeah, we've certainly done it in the past. And that was the thing, you know, some people, and those people that are wanting us to be very active in the portal and – 
from what I've heard, I think we um, are fairly active in the portal right now. We already are. Yeah, and just this is something that Cliff put out on social media. He said, we actually develop and get guys better in our program so we don't always, always was the key word. We don't right. always have to hit the portal. He didn't say we're not going to hit the portal. We're not going to recruit the portal. Um, that we don't always have to hit the portal. So that m- means, you know, if you if you lose a guy like a uh, Thomas Francisco, you have someone like a Josh Moreland waiting in the wings to take over that position. Yep. Or if you if you lose a Connor Norby, you have a Jacob Starling. Uh, and if you, if you and you know if you lose. Uh, some of the very talented players we've lost. I mean, if you lose um, someone like a Gavin Williams, and th- then you have somebody ready to s- slide in, not necessarily at that level, but um, you know, not too far off that level that has the potential, like a Trey Savage, to to maybe be um, pretty close to a Gavin Williams or or whoever down the road. Uh, so and they and they've done such a tremendous job of uh, stacking talent with these recruiting classes that uh, I, I definitely think, because I know last year uh, we were active in the portal because of the shortstop situation, as well as uh, the other positions that we've referenced. And, uh, you know, didn't didn't work out uh, with those portal options for shortstop. But, unfortunately, uh, Joey Barini stepped up. And, I mean, if you'd have told us prior to the, to the year, or, or, you know, or even a few games into the season, um, taking a look at these numbers right here, Joey Barini, second on the team, actually, well, tied for the team lead with Justin Wilcox and with a 318 batting average. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Four home runs, 35 runs batted in. And um, and then defensively, let's see. Joey Barini finished the year. I think he had nine errors, so not, not bad at all. Um, that's, that's very similar to um, what Pirate shortstops have done in years past. And like Patrick said, uh, no, maybe maybe his range wasn't quite as good as the Turner Brown or Ryder Giles or Zach Agnos, but uh, he made some tremendous plays. And if, you, if you'd have told us we're going to get those numbers at the plate and those numbers in the field prior to the year, we'd have been tickled to death. You probably wouldn't have done much better with any of the guys from the transfer portal. No. Matt, what, you were going to have a comment. I know you want to say something. You know th- – it's it's a new day in college sports. We're seeing this in basketball and football, obviously baseball we're talking about tonight, but developing and de- developing players in your program and hitting the not finding a guy with three years of eligibility left. You can still develop those players. So I think I'm full the portal gets kind of Playing the part of Bubba's internet tonight is Matt. Yeah, okay, I thought it was me. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's Matt. <laughs> I think it's the wildfires burning up the the the, the uh, from Canada burning up the lines in uh in, in Connecticut there. Yeah, we can't see Matt tonight. That's why he's yeah. got the uh, the avatar up. But uh, Matt, yeah. your internet connection is horrible tonight. Oh, so, so, just shut up, Matt. Shut up, mute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a live. Man, are you on your phone or your laptop? I, I actually think he's on a CNC. <laughs> oh, Matt's never had issues like that from home. No, he's at home. Too. It's 
crazy. Yeah, we'll come back to Matt in a moment, but um, we've kind of already gone down this little path a little bit. Lag here. Because <laughs> Bubba beauty him. Because, because Patrick uh, <laughs> mentioned, mentioned Josh Moreland, and you know Josh will likely have a decision to make, and we'll see where he goes and how much money he's offered. But um, you also have guys like a Josh Groves who had a very solid season, you know, AMAC, and some other ones, um, potentially a Jacob Starling. The thing is now with the draft just being 20 rounds, um, you know, in, in the past um, you had to perhaps sweat it out a little bit more. But, uh, you know, Patrick, what are your thoughts on some of those guys that I just named and, um, you know, wh where the – where – things may end up here in a few weeks yeah it'll definitely be interesting like you mentioned the draft is 20 rounds so um it's it's tough to, to test those waters sometimes i think josh we can start with josh grows i feel like he he totally looks the part i feel like scouts really like his stuff he, he throws hard he's got a really nice slider we saw sometimes or multiple times this season when he's on he's pretty close to unhittable um, but the, also on the flip side, he, he has control issues. You know, we saw that even in the, the regional, um, it's just a lot of walks. And I think that might scare some scouts away as well. Um, but you know, a lot of these professional sports, you know, you get into these coaching staffs and they, they think, Hey, you know, we got the best coaching staffs. We can figure this out. We can get this guy right. So I think Josh Gross could be a, you know, he might be a guy who could go just because especially the pitching position, you know, that's very, uh, very sought after. Um, so Josh Gross is uh, definitely a candidate to go. AMAC, um, I, for some reason, I, I just don't know if he's that guy this year. Uh, I think this year kind of hurt him a little bit. Part of it was hit some injury issues, didn't let him to be a switch hitter. He's really good defensively, um, but I, I just don't know if, if the draft is, is his uh, avenue um, this year for sure. Jacob Starling's another one of those real, like maybe tweener kind of guys. I mean, personally, I think he would probably serve well to come back and play again. I agree. Although it is tough when you're at the end of your college rope, as we saw with Bryson Worrell, you know, a terrific, terrific player, a premium position center fielder, just doesn't have leverage when you're at the end of the rope there. And so, uh, yeah, you know, Jacob Starling's another guy who's super talented, but he might be better, you know, playing another year. Um, I'm trying to think who, you know, who else can kind of make that move. I think Justin Wilcoxon, um, a really good defensive catcher. And when you get to the pros, defense is all that really matters in, in catching. He had a really good arm this year. He could probably serve to do a little bit better, um, you know, blocking some pitches and stuff like that. But I, overall, I thought his defense was pretty outstanding. Um, and, he, and he hit this year, too. He was one of the team's better hitters. So that might be another guy who goes. And, and also, we're talking about 2024. I think Ryan McChrystal's future on this team or his playing time really hinges on what Justin Wilcoxon decides to do. You know, if Wilcoxon goes, I think, you know, Ryan McChrystal is that dude now. And if Wilcoxon comes back, you know, it, it comes a little more hairy there. But it'll it'll definitely be interesting with some of these guys coming up. Yeah, Wilcoxon, someone I, I did not name, um, but like you said, um, just an excellent year. You know, picking up the slack with Ben Newton departing. And uh, then you had you had Wilcoxon, like I mentioned, tied with Joey Brini for the team lead in batting average, 318, nine home runs, uh, also tied for the team lead with 20 doubles um, with Josh Moylan. And then he drove, wow. in, and drove in 49 and, uh, like you said, and did an excellent job of throwing out base runners, 
I mean, his blocking and receiving could improve at times, but, um, you know, a lot of that um, perhaps <laughs> attributed to to um, McChrystal not being available as they anticipated um, prior to the season. Yeah, How often is your catcher going to leave your team, lead your team in doubles? Yeah, he slugged this year. He was a great hitter, and that's the thing. Like when you look at catchers, all you really expect is great defense. You know, hitting is hitting is a cherry on top, and he was able to do all of it this year. And uh, you know, he caught literally basically every single inning. You know, at the end of that year, and he was a he was a warrior back there. And also, I mean, you can catch like Trey Savage. He has one of the best split finger fastballs in all of college baseball. So when that thing's bearing down at you, you know, ninety miles an hour, it's tough to stop. So I mean, I thought he had a great year this year. He also associate doubles with, with having a little bit of speed. So, really odd to see a catcher with so many doubles. Yeah, I think, uh, guys, when you're talking about Starling as a guy, he's the question mark for me, uh, Patrick. You were talking about, I don't know how you guys feel about it. So, like, I can argue, I'm glad you brought that up, Pat, uh, the fact that I can argue, I can see it either way. You know, it's like, it sounds like I'm being indecisive on it, but I could clearly see him leaving, but yet I could clearly see – him coming back another year. Um, and, it, and again, uh, draft status, that stock, um, I think it would serve you're, – you're absolutely right. He's a guy on the baseball team that is so close. He's like on the bubble for me as far as being a, a, a – uh, as far as major league draft is concerned, as far as being a draft pick. And um, I think his stock will go up. He's like so clutch for our team. Just imagine – another thing is – when you not only the draft part, but also what do we have coming back? We could easily go to a super regional Omaha next year. And I, maybe that's not important to guys, but you understand why Moylan goes. Uh, you, you know, a lot of other guys, like you talk about grows, there's certain ones you understand why they go, but then there's other ones like AMAC and Starling that um, could really use another year, I believe, and their draft status would, you know, could potentially skyrocket. I think you got guys that just get itchy to play at that next level, and it's not just in baseball. It happens in all sports. Look at the huge mistake C.J. Johnson made in football, for example. Okay. Yeah, that, that was one of the points I was going to make. Thank you, Kyle. I was gonna, I'm getting old. I was going to make that point earlier. Um, you know, C.J. Johnson, well, another thing is don't leave the practice early, but um, that's why he got uh, waved. It wasn't his talent. It was – Yeah, well, that's a maturity issue, uh, Dave, which I said is something that – Coming back another year could benefit him. No question. Never about talent. And uh, what do you think, Bubba? You're uh, you have your nose as far as like knowing guys. Do you think those guys leave? Who do you think's going to stay and go? I know it's a guessing game, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, my guess, I'd say I'd be a little surprised if Josh Moreland's back. I think, I think he'll. Likely, I mean, this is not based on anything I've heard whatsoever, just based on the season that he had and um, something that we really hadn't talked about and what a good eye Josh has at the plate for someone that hits with that kind of power. Um, I'd be a little surprised if he was back, but who, who knows? Uh, and and then Patrick made – I'm not going to rehash all the points Patrick made as far as Josh grows. So he, he did a pretty good job of, of you know – saying what he brings to the table and then also, you know, where he needs to work with the command. Um, but something I put in our, our comment section in 76 and a third innings, he allowed just 59 hits and opponents hit just 215 against him. So, you know, when, 
when that command was spot on, you know, he was pretty lights out. But uh, it's just a matter of if he was going to have a game where he was going to walk one or was he going to have a game where he was walking four or five. So, um, but, yeah, he certainly has the stuff and kind of transitioned away from the draft and, you know, back to the the pitching staff for 2024. Um, we talked about Trey Savage and Zach Root. Um, you know, they're very likely, obviously, if you have Gross coming back, you know, he would be in that mix. That could very well be your rotation, you know, whether it's whether it's your Savage, Gross, Root, or you know, your Savage, Root, Gross, whatever. But um, another to keep in mind, uh, Jake Hunter, like Patrick mentioned, yeah. he has the potential to, to bust into the rotation. And then you also have a guy – we didn't see a lot of great things out of him this year, but you saw it in you saw it in the conference tournament. Jaden Winter, uh, Jaden Winter, he's six five, has a 95, 96 mile an hour fastball. So depending on what type of strides he makes this summer and in the fall, uh, going into the twenty twenty four season, he's a guy that could um, you know very well make a huge huge jump and and uh, be in that role, or at least in maybe a midweek starter role. Yeah, guys, he's one. I'm glad you brought him up, Bubba. He's a guy, Patrick and Matt and Kyle, that, like, he's one of those dominant, like, kind of pitchers. I like, like, a guy. Not that he's the same as Gavin Williams, but uh, he, he'll he throw it by you. <laughs> he doesn't care, and I really liked him a lot. I thought he has uh, – being he's only, is he a freshman or sophomore? Jaden Winter was a sophomore. Sophomore, yeah, okay. Because yeah, he, he was – I think he actually got a midweek start last year at Elon and then – either in that game or shortly after that, he, he got injured. That's but, why. Uh, okay. All right. I thought yeah. it was a sophomore, but I couldn't. I was like, well, maybe. I, but he uh, he definitely has a lot of promise, and and uh, he's another guy that I, I think we're going to be deep, and I don't even know. Uh, maybe you guys do help me out. I'm not big on recruiting, and our good buddy Igo does an excellent job at hoistacolors.net. He's the recruiting guy, but guru, if you will. But I don't know what we have coming in, but, man, the pitching is deep, and uh, you look at if uh, Starling were to go, I think Nathan, Nathan Chrisman will be a guy that I put at second base. I don't know how you guys feel, but I, I think he would be excellent at second base. Um, Moylan, I mean, you could put guys there easily. Um, not that he didn't play great defense, but, you know, there's other guys that are ready to step up. And continuing on with the with the pitching staff and guys do we have any is there, is there a children is there a child being murdered at one of your one of y'all's houses? yes that, that's that's uh my son riley well <laughs> you better go save him bubba <laughs> but uh you know we talk about the pitching, the pitching depth of this staff um danny bill white lunchman chinkman landon ginn you know three of the i mean the three consistent relievers and they're going to be back you know as it appears 424 yeah <clears throat> pitching we're definitely in a very good shape no matter what happens even if gross goes uh i i know patrick don't i i just feel like he should come back i know that maybe i'm being biased because i'm a pirate guy but the points that you made earlier about him that the control issue he's like so close that if you could have another year with austin knight and another year of experience i understand the whole mlb thing but man, I just feel like he's another one that is on the bubble. There is like Moreland's a definite for me, but most of the guys are kind of like I can argue both ways. Like, yeah, you should stay. Oh, I could see you going. Um, but Groves is another one that um, I really like and hope he comes back. 
Yeah, we can, I think we could even see like uh, Lunsford Shankman making his way into the rotation as well, just because he oh, showed yeah. the ability to pitch multiple innings. So, yeah, the, the pitching is, is in good shape, I think, moving forward. Uh, what about um, our good buddy Shell uh, Powell is asking about Palumbo, about him leaving, uh, taking a coaching job. Have you guys heard anything? He was saying something on the Internet, but I haven't. He's always up for jobs because he's awesome, um, but I think he stays – I, I would gets, go ahead, Kyle. I was just going to say, I think if he gets the right hit, hit coaching opportunity, it'd be hard to turn it down. But hopefully, he saves. Yeah, a season ago, he turned down the, the VCU opportunity. You know, from from what we were told, um, so uh, I I think it has to be the right opportunity because he he has a excellent job right now, and he's not going to just leave East Carolina for for any head job. I, I thought he may at least get a a little bit of a look um, for for a job like UCF, but at the same time, I'm not shocked that he didn't. Just with them going into the Big Twelve, it has nothing to do with Coach Palumbo's ability to take that job and to oh. to excel at that job. I just had a gut feeling that that UCF would try to make a quote splash higher, and that's exactly what they're trying to do. Um, and it would be very, very intriguing if they make the hire. And I'm sure, Patrick, you've seen this on social media. I know, guys, I shared it with you in the group text earlier, and that's Joe Girardi, the former manager of the Philadelphia Phillies and New York Yankees. Um, there's the word on the street um, from UCF sources and, and other folks in college baseball, uh, like Kendall Rogers, uh, he confirmed uh, the UCF source saying that this is, in fact, accurate, that Joe Girardi – uh, is up for that job uh, in Orlando. Let me ask you guys a question. Good. He'll kill them like he killed the Yankees. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. He's up for the White Sox job. I have a good question. Uh, I, I don't know his background or, in general, the success rate of major league managers going down to the college ranks. It's a totally different game. But how much do you think the transfer portal changes that um, versus having to go recruit high school and develop players? Uh, if you got a, a major league manager with a big name that goes to a UCF or Orlando, which is a nice area to live in, um, they can work the portal, see talent on tape that's already developed, and get them to come. Do you, do you think that kind of changes things a little bit now for guys coming from the professional league ranks to coach in college? It's definitely interesting. And just like even just the Palumbo thing, I feel like teams just even across all levels of this sport are just trying to poach like smart people from programs. You know, like they're looking at Palumbo and saying, Hey, East Carolina is doing a lot with, with what they got. And they're, you know, that's why they're looking at him. And yeah, you know, they're, like you said, even with Girardi coming through Yeah. You're just trying to find people who have done this and who are smart people just trying to teams are trying anything. We just need smart people in baseball. And that's, I think that's, that's the trend right now. But specifically, do you think it changes uh, anybody want to take this? The, 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 you know, if, if you've coached in, in the professional ranks, particularly the major leagues, you don't know nothing about recruiting. Do you think the transfer portal changes that for guys that, that don't have a recruiting background? Oh, no, no doubt about it. I'll jump in on that one. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, a guy like Girardi, he, he's a lifetime, you know, majors guy, long career in the majors. Right. Um, he doesn't know anything about recruiting. He doesn't know much about, you know, he doesn't have relationships at the high school level with different coaches. So if he was to take a job like that, 
he's going to look for the the easiest path, or or not the easiest, but the quickest path to success. And the one thing about the portal is that you know it's not quite as prevalent in baseball as you see in other sports now. And I and I hope it doesn't become as prevalent, honestly. But you know, he's the type of guy where he would try to to make moves quick, almost like a Deion Sanders in Colorado, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and make a big splash. So I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. You would have to hire uh, before we let you go, Patrick. I know you got to run. Uh, if you're Girardi, you need to get a guy like a Palumbo. Not that I want him to leave and go to Orlando for UCF, but uh, and you see, didn't uh, Palumbo? He's already coached there, right? At UCF. Yes. Yeah. So he already has that uh, knowledge. I'm not trying to make the case. So anybody listening right now, I'm not trying to start rumors, but I'm just simply saying a guy that already knows the area. He already knows about he's a hell of a recruiter. He's the recruiting coordinator now for East Carolina. He's the guy behind the scenes that, you know, you see Cliff gets a lot of glory, but Palumbo doesn't get enough credit, and I'm not knocking Godwin. But um, but definitely if you're UCF, you need a guy that understands the college game like a Palumbo. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, especially just the knowledge of what goes on. I mean, having been in this program for – what is it? Nine years now? You know, you know, it just that that mind is just invaluable. I'm sure. Well, Patrick, uh, do you have anything before we let you go uh, about the maybe the wrap up the season or for uh, 24 coming up for baseball? Yeah, just that it, it was a really successful season. I, I don't think there's, you know, I think as we talked a little bit about before we hopped on, but like it is a really successful year for these guys. You know, 47 wins is something that probably 95 percent of the country would, would kill for. Um, you know, they, they lost six games in conference and then they won the whole thing and, you know, they were chasing, they never gave up. I just thought it was a really strong year. And I think that the future is still bright just because they didn't make it this year. I mean, the future is still bright and, you know, they're, they're going to get there eventually. And Gilbert on the selection committee starting next year. And if you don't think that make a difference, makes a difference, ask Auburn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I want you to plug your social media and of course about the daily reflector where everybody can read your articles. Yeah, you can read me on the Daily Reflector, uh, reflector.com, and fi- follow me on Twitter at PM222. I'm always tweeting about some sort of sports, baseball, and stuff, and a bunch of ECU news. So appreciate you guys you know, having me on and following along as well. It was a fun year. No doubt. Have a good one, bro, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good summer if we don't talk to you um, before the poll. Yeah, we'll see you down the road for sure. Thanks, All guys. Right. Have a good one. Good night. Bye-bye. Appreciate uh, Patrick very much. I know that he's got to run. So, Matt, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, I don't think that uh, fans need to be in the panic room. I think things are good for uh, the state of the program. Everything is going right. It's, uh, by the way, uh, one thing I want to mention to you guys, I know you guys are not maybe necessarily NIL, but uh, I think that's a game changer for this Pirate baseball team is a lot of people giving to, there you go, thank you, trust Coach Godwin. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's NIL money uh, at uh, teamboneyard.org. Give the money there and you can specify it to go to baseball or even a certain player. And if we could get that stupid rule that the NCAA has about 11.7, but if you could get money and we could kind of be an equalizer and have more guys, quote unquote, they're not under scholarship, but it's the same difference. Money is money. Um, so I just want to get your uh, feeling about NIL. And uh, I think that's one thing that, for me, it's really been an eye-opener for this season. Yeah, you know, I'll just jump in on that real quick. I mean, the bottom line is nobody needs to be in a panic. I mean, Cliff Godwin has built a, a foundation here 
incredibly solid. He has a proven track record over the course of several years now. So nine years. Nine years. So so no no reason for panic, no reason for any type of a major overhaul. I, I, guys, I, think I don't think anybody my, is panicking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my feeling on it is this. My, here, here's my feeling on it. When you look at this team and you evaluate it in the offseason, you're asking yourself, what can we do to get to that next level? What are the pieces we need to bring in to go from a team that ha- is having incredible incredible success? Don't get me wrong. I don't want to shortchange it. A team that's winning regionals, you know, this year played tough against a, a, a number one seed, Virginia, uh, came up a little short. But what are you going to do this offseason to potentially take yourself to the next level? And for me, you know, I would like to augment slightly with the portal. I don't want to go crazy with it, but I think anywhere from three to five guys right. bring in a few power bats. But that that's really where we're at. Uh, Kyle, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's my thought process on it. No, you didn't cut me off. I, I just jumped in on what you were saying about the whole panic thing. I don't think anybody's panicking. Um, well, there's a lot I, of people I, mentioning – well, the reason I say panic room and the panic is the fact that I, all I've heard this week is about transfer portal, transfer portal. Transfer. Did you hear one or two people say something and then they get hung up on it and they're convinced Cliff is not going to get anybody from the transfer portal at all. And they're also worried that we're going to lose a ton of players. I think, I, I, I think, you know, depending on the draft is how much Cliff will work the transfer portal. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I, I, I think we do need a little more power in the lineup uh, as, as Matt mentioned. But, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I trust Cliff if he, if he, you know, if it don't work, look, if, if we start going backwards, if, if this, you know, if this next year we're, we're three seed and the next year after that we miss a tournament, then he'll have to change the strategy. But until his strategy isn't working, uh, keep doing what he's doing. And, right. yeah, get a couple guys up the transfer portal. If we lose more guys to the draft than we expect or we have some guys into the transfer portal from our end, then you might need to work the transfer portal more. Um, but we, we also don't know what we have behind them that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, like he says, he develops players. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I believe in Cliff. I, I get frustrated at times, too. There, it was a game after that Campbell game this year going before the conference tournament. I was about to lose my mind. I was just angry. So sometimes it's just reaction and emotion. Um, but I, I think the fan base trusts Cliff. If they don't, they should. Uh, and you know, it's frustrating. You know, I was looking at Southern Miss cause you know, besides East Carolina's program I'm closest to, cause I got two really good friends that are golden Eagles and you know, they're hosting Tennessee and they win that super. This is going to be their second trip to the college world series. And they've been to half the NCAA tournaments that we've been to. So yeah, it gets to be a bit frustrating and aggravating when all these other teams go to Omaha and we don't, but. We'll get there, and once we get there, I think we'll probably make it back for the second. Put it like this. Once we make it there the first time, it won't be another 32 NCAA tournaments before we go again. No doubt. And, you know, Duke could actually uh, – they beat Virginia two out of three times. They could go to Omaha this year. Yeah, I know you'll be super happy if they do, Dave. But personally, I want the team that beat us to go to Omaha. No, I'm just saying my point is that I know you're – I was talking about your frustration with – Oh, okay. I'm sorry I took that wrong. Yeah, I hope the hell they don't go to Omaha. Yeah. I mean, the fact is that they literally, you know, they played Virginia well. We'll see. I, I just, I, it could I, be more difficult. It's hard to beat. If they can beat UVA four times yeah. in Charlottesville, more power to them. Yeah. I Chris, think, I think UVA's lost 
four games at home all season, and two of those were, were to Duke. So, yep. yeah, the, uh, just my gut feeling, could Duke win it? Uh, sh- sure they could, and they've already taken two out of three from uh, UVA, like I just mentioned. But if I had to if I had to make a prediction on that Super Regional, I, I would take the Wahoos. Yeah, me but too. That's Duke uh, against that pitching. Uh, the starting pitching, but once you get in that bullpen and that the bats of Duke is what I'm curious to see. It's going to be interesting to to watch that regional, super regional. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I, I definitely hope that's an interesting thing. Uh, I had this conversation with somebody uh, that was, you know, saying they were hoping Duke was going to win that regional. I was like, are you out of your mind? You know, just because you're angry that Virginia beat us. I mean, I, I you, 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 I, I want the team that beats us to win the national championship, quite frankly. Uh, I think if we'd have gone to Conway, I think we'd have done the exact same thing that uh, that Duke did. I yeah. think we, I think we would have come out of there, but that doesn't matter because it didn't happen. But uh, but um, yeah, we thought a lot of us thought that it would be us hosting Duke or Duke uh, hosting us a DBAP, and it didn't happen. But you know, um, you got to tip your hat to Chris Pollard. I think he's done an excellent job as a coach. I really like him a lot. He, not just because he's come on our show a lot, um, just about every, I think, uh, about just about every single year that we've, uh, since 2019, he's uh, done a great job promoting his program. He's getting great guys. And I thought that uh, speaking of the portal, um, Pollard did an excellent job of, of going. He, he knew what he needed to do to upgrade the team. He did that. So there was a, definitely a, blueprint as far as that or a guy like a Justin Hare who's up for big jobs now he basically built his whole him and Robert Woodard at Charlotte they built their whole teams on the transfer portal so if you want to make cases those are three uh, cases for the transport portal right there yeah uh, Campbell definitely has uh, not only do they, they they get a lot of junior college guys at Campbell yes. but uh, not, not the way I want to do things but um, yeah, I definitely think we, you know, should utilize it. Yeah. And I think, I think we will in spots as we have. And I, I, mean, I it just depends on what our needs are. And obviously, you know, Cliff and staff have, <clears throat> you know, they have a great pulse on, you know, what's within the program and what's waiting in the wings just because we haven't heard of them or, um, you know, haven't seen but so much production from them uh, doesn't mean – that uh, someone will not step up as they've done in the past. But it, part of the thing with the transfer portal is, you know, some of the recency bias there just because of the success that, uh, that the young man transferring in from Army uh, had against us. And then uh, and then also Parker from, from Coastal Carolina um, because, you know, if that game on Saturday night that we lose two to one goes the other way, and, and then we go on to win the regional. You know, some people would have still shared that same sentiment, but uh, had we won the regional, not nearly as many people uh, would be saying that about about the portal. Um, exactly. And it's kind of just it was one of those one of those things. Uh, and and but like I said, I've heard from very good sources that uh, we are very very much active in the portal. You know, looking to. Uh, fill those needs that we'll have in 24. If somebody will go back and listen to this show and count how many times um, we've all said the word portal together, 
um, <laughs> I bet you it would be astronomical. Portal is my favorite work. I love that word. I love talking to Portal. It's I know new, you do, particularly for football. It's that's a new drinking uh, game. It's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> NIL, not so much. Over, under, 49 and a half. I, d- I despise over. the NIL, personally, but Portal I'll talk about all day. I'll take over on the 49 and a half on portal, 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 portal. By the way, if you don't think NIL makes a difference, look at uh, Oklahoma just won the uh, softball championship, 53 games in a row, guys. They've won. And uh, in fact, they have a three-peat now. Uh, first time since the early 90s, I think, with uh, UCLA. So if you don't think they have – they have more uh, NIL money for the softball team than they do for the baseball team for Oklahoma. And that's something that the guys from the Oklahoma baseball experience that we had on our show and then and they had us on, on their show as well, as, as well as on some conversations uh, with Twitter or on Twitter spaces. That's something that they very readily admitted and that they were trying to improve the NIL for Oklahoma baseball because right now it was pretty much dwarfed by Oklahoma softball, and I guess that's not all that surprising uh, because, you know, like you said, they just won their thir- third straight national title. But it, even in, even in baseball last year, you know, they played for a national title. So, I'm not yeah, the, the problem with with East Carolina and NIL is, you know, we just don't have the the money the, uh, that Oklahoma has. We're we're you know, Oklahoma doesn't really have to rely on their booster clubs anymore for facility at grace etc because tv money whereas east carolina still does and, and, and that's where the problem lies um football is always going to be top priority for nil or anything else so you, you know you got to figure out uh, how you make that how do you distribute that money evenly because you want to use it for basketball too and obviously baseball at east carolina is a huge priority so uh, yeah nil is important um, very important, unfortunately. Um, but you got to figure out how you how you spread those dollars out. And he, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. Which like you you have seven or eight million dollars um, coming in from from our TV deal. Yep. Um, as as compared to uh, you know thirty million. Yeah. So and then think think about it right now. I know we were discussing this a little bit earlier. At least Matt and I were. I think it was in the, the group text as well. But uh, if not, uh, you guys are certainly. Bobby, your, your, your audio just cut out or either I'm frozen one or the other. Uh, Matt, I think they got they traded Internet, so I think. Yeah, Bubba just went completely yeah, out. Happened there. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. you're back. All right. But uh, with the Pirates Unite capital campaign, we're, we still have $39 million or thereabouts to raise for that. Um, you're obviously always Jesus to, Christ. We're 39 million away. We've raised 21 or there. We've raised 21 or 22 of 60 million. But see, here's okay. the thing. Let me ask you guys this. And so, what is the timeline for the? And, and then, but we're also paying on Town Bank Tower, and that's a that's a great that's question that we'll have to we'll um, see if we can get an answer to that um, when we have 20 years when we have John Gilbert uh, on the show. Because Man. I want to say the cost of that ended up being around seventy million. I'd like to see how we close borrowed, we are. Yeah, we borrowed thirty million guys for that project. We Boys should- and girls, children of all ages, and we have it with Town Bank. We have got to get more corporate sponsors. Is what we've got to do. And then you and have I don't know how you do it, but we've got to. We're raising, we're raising about eight million dollars annually for the Pirate Club, 
and then you throw NIL on top of that when you're you know you're trying to raise right there what I said about seventy five million or so, yeah. if, if not if not more. I got somebody, somebody get Vince McMahon on the phone, man. We 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 need some corporate sponsorship. Mr. Beast. It's Mr. B, somebody. All, I don't all, know. all in the mean meantime, um, you know, ordering season tickets for football as well. And so Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's, you know, a, there's I, a thing though that there's a thing though, guys. I think there's a strategy though. There's a lot of our older fan base, and rightfully so, maybe my age up, that are never gonna give to NIL because they don't believe in it. That's fine. I say give to the Pirate Club, give it to the Pirates Unite. And there's a maybe my age younger. That um that they get the whole nil thing, so we just see people. Oh get- yeah, if it were if it were up to me, it, my goal is to win. Right. And I, I I say screw an indoor practice facility. Now five years ago, that was the biggest thing. I don't, I don't right now. If if you were a high school athlete, Bubba, Matt, I, both of you guys played division. Matt, you played division one. Bubba, you played division two or division three. Um. So Matt, if you're being recruited right now, what would be more important to you? If East if East Carolina was recruiting you, if they said, "Hey man, we got an indoor practice facility," or "Hey man, we can give you twenty thousand dollars a year," which one would be more important to you? Well, coming from a guy who never had an indoor practice facility when he played college football, uh, the money. I mean, obviously the money. I mean, that's that's the obvious answer. You know, you're going to want the money. Um, yeah. You know, and, and that's that's the challenge at East Carolina. When other programs have both so readily available, how do how do we get to that point? And you know, I mean, to your point though, we we absolutely need the indoor practice facility. It's a huge need, but um, we we've got to be competitive in other areas as well. And that's the challenge. And it all comes back to that TV contract. I mean, to your yeah. point, to your point, uh, you know, our entire athletic budget is less than you know, some of the TV contracts that, well, most of them out there, you see in the SEC yeah. and, and the big, the big 10 and whatnot. So yeah. it's, it's just, you're just chasing. We're so far behind the eight ball here. We're just playing catch up. Well, the, the thing about it is in football versus baseball. And, and this is we're, in baseball. We, we are competing with Alabama and Auburn and LSU, et cetera. In football, we ain't, all we got to do is figure out a way to have as much or more in our money than the rest of people, than the rest of the people in the new American. Um, and you know, that's one of the reasons <laughs> I'm, I'm also so gung-ho on the Sun Belt. If you put East Carolina in the Sun Belt and, uh, I bet you we can out NIL any school in the Sun Belt. So the, in football. So the, the point of the matter is, uh, you know, can we get enough NIL funds to, get most of the players we want to win the American football, you know, I'm, or baseball, football. We win it in baseball already. So we're talking NIL broad spectrum. I know this is supposed to be a baseball show. But if if if, if we can do that in football in the new American and win the conference, you know, we have a chance to make the playoffs in the new system. So NIL is all relative to what you're talking about. Um, it, it is interesting in baseball because theoretically – uh, with NIL, we are competing with the LSUs of the world. Here's the thing. When we have the uh, – Hank even said that uh, – let's see, that 1.75 would be necessary for, yeah, 80 – yeah, for 85 scholarship players, 20500 per year. Uh, <clears throat> Hank Hinton did a great job on Igo's show, what was that, a week or two ago. Um, they actually were told for the American guys that we needed to raise – 
for the American Conference to compete NIL-wise, $1 million. We uh, have already raised over 530-some thousand um, just in the, the – really, they started in January pushing it really hard. So I said, well, if we can raise that kind of money in a short period of time in like four or five months, we should really go after $2 million a year because that would really put us at the upper echelon of the American, and that's what we need is uh, to win the American every single year. And like you said, Cal, that winning cha- we haven't won a championship since 2009. In football, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how easy it would be. I, I don't know. It's like Bubba said. We're being spread way too thin with with buying season tickets, giving to the Pirate Club, Pirates Unite, NIL. I mean, uh, like I said, we desperately need some corporate sponsorships, in my opinion, to do some of this heavy lifting because the TV money ain't going to get no better anytime right. soon. I do think at some point this whole thing is going to go, you know, eventually, whether it's 10 years from now, 15 years from now, or five years from now, eventually linear TV is going to go the way of the uh, – the, the horse and buggy and everything's going to go 100% streaming. Right. And I think when that happens, your fan base and your actual numbers, eyeballs watching you damn games are going to matter so much more than Amen. media market and potential for, for watching the games. Because when it comes to streaming, it's not going to be flipping the channels. You're going to be seeking out the games and you're not going to go by the old Nielsen rating system. You're going to have actual numbers of how many people are streaming your games and, we did quite well in ESPN Plus this past fall, according to that email that was sent out. Um, I'm sure you guys saw that. It was the last letter from Gilbert. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I I told Bubba earlier today, I bet you that East Carolina Appalachian State football game is the most watched uh, non-Power 5 football game on ESPN Plus this fall. And uh, the point of this is, at some point, when it goes to all streaming, maybe – that would get East Carolina into a power conference where we are making more money from the media and we're less reliant on, uh, you know, us. Yeah. When you look at that and guys, I know that some people are disappointed that we're have the Michigan game on Peacock, but I, to your point, Kyle, you've said this a long time ago. I think you can actually, if you're Peacock and NBC, you can see the number of people in Michigan and you're also going to see a lot of people around Pirate Nation, whether it's North Carolina or beyond, yeah. how many people are going to um, watch, how many eyeballs are on that game. And it'll be a lot, obviously, Michigan, but I think people will be pleasantly pleasantly surprised to see the same thing for the Pirates. Yeah, uh, yeah I know a lot of people were mad to see that game on Peacock, and uh, the reason they did it was because it, it, they, they want to get new subscribers, and they know right. Michigan – gives them that opportunity, but I, I think I think you're right. Peacock will probably be surprised when they see, you know, potentially 20,000 new subscribers coming from North Carolina all of a sudden. Yeah, there's a lot more. You're right about that. There, with This whole argument about media markets and all that, when they see, um, as I've stated before, Tuscaloosa is such a big TV market, um, you can start naming it the Mississippi. Well, they get the whole state, and, and I think that's another argument that I've always said we've had is, you know, we can deliver the whole state because one thing I've always said about this media market argument is do the other teams in your state watch your games? And yeah, in football particularly, and I know we're supposed to be talking baseball, but in baseball too, um, do NC State and UNC fans watch East Carolina games? You bet your ass they do. Mm-hmm. They sure do because they, it's like the whole adage, like the Yankees, Matt. Uh, people want to see the Yankees lose, and they like our rivals want to see us lose. 
or is Pirate Nation wanting their their team to win? Um, so absolutely, I I'm looking forward to that. I think the streaming thing is a great thing, and um, I have Peacock. I like it for WWE and uh, a lot of other stuff on on there with the movies and uh, the channels they have inside of Peacock as well. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people are negative on the streaming in general, and I get the frustration because you pay so much for cable and satellite already, but. I do believe in the long run it's going to benefit East Carolina. Amen. I would lo- I would love to see that data, you know, for all you know, 130 plus teams in yeah. FBS, um, the streaming data, you know, because like you're saying, you know, whether it's somebody viewing from Greenville, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, um, L- L.A., or you know, Florida, abroad, abroad somewhere, somebody that's watching ESPN. Plus, well, I'm sure we have a lot of women watching, not just one broad. Yeah. <laughs> Broads. <laughs> Matthew Menza, hey, what, what you know about broads? What you know about broads? <laughs> yeah, hey, Matt. Uh, Matt, what do you think about this whole streaming thing? Are you, uh, you and I are, are closer in age? Do you think it's a? Uh, do you think it's uh, the way to go? I like it a lot, but I know there's. Their older folks are like, I can't find that Peacock. I'm like, it's not as bad as Facebook. Like, uh, what was the game we had a couple? Oh years? God, Facebook streaming. I, it was awful. Holy that crap! Awful. Yeah, you had to go to Facebook, and then that 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 was a nightmare. Uh, you know, I think to Kyle's point, it's it's kind of the way the world is heading, and, and you're seeing it right now. And, and, and I promise, I'm not going to get into politics. And you guys know I love to do that, but I'm not going to. But you see this happening in the world of politics right now, where you know, and, and love them or hate them, right? I'll, I'll just throw a name out there. Tucker Carlson had 20 million views on Twitter the other day on his first episode, o- over 20 million. So you see this shift happening in politics. People are moving away from your traditional CNN. Right. They're moving away from Fox. They're moving away from your traditional networks into streaming right. platforms. You see these personalities have enormous success with, with podcasts on Sirius and and, and Twitter and different things. So it, to Kyle's point, it's happening. It's going to happen in sports. Yep. It's going to become more and more prevalent. And I do think you make a good point. It, the more the more fans, the more eyeballs that, that East Carolina brings to those games is going to pay dividends down the road. So it's it's kind of inevitable. It's, it's the trend. I know the late, great Jeff Charles talked about um, – he mentioned in the very first time he was on our show here on the Sports Objective – uh, the back and help me out, Bubba and Kyle. But back in the '90s, there was a uh, like a 900 number. Yeah, uh, like team line. Team line, yeah. Thank you, team line. But he talked about we had one of the highest, uh, I guess, team line. Uh, we like, were the we uh, were number number one year. We were the most listened to school on team line because at that time we had very little national television coverage, but we have right. a large fan base, and we were the. Most listened to school on team line. Yeah, it was a it was a flat fee. You called the number and you listened to the whole game. Um, hopefully, you had a speakerphone, and so you listened to the whole game over the phone. And so, can, when you have something that old, like I know that's archaic, but when you have something way back like then, that's more challenging. Or um, I know not necessarily dialing the number, but I'm just saying, like it's not to me. More you think more about putting it on the television. Um, a streaming is a lot easier, and I think that more people. Well, I think it's comparable because it was numbers you can is actual numbers yeah. you can measure, rather than the size of the media market. It's the actual eyeballs that that team brings, just like we could prove how many listeners we brought through Team One. 
Right. Right. I can definitely believe that because you know you take a look at that ninety one season and oh, then and that that ninety one season led to us having a a deal with ESPN. Um, we were one of only a couple teams. Um, Notre, Notre Dame being the other, and their deal with NBC. Um, yeah. and that's that obviously is where Mike Oresco um, right. started to uh, you know develop such a a strong affection for East Carolina and what this program's capable of, and uh, signed us to that deal with ESPN. But yeah, I remember back in those days in the Winston-Salem area, uh, we were so starved for any type of coverage. You know, we had a little, you know, WTOB 1380 AM, um, not a very good reception at all. Sometimes um, it may not even have been good enough at our house. You know, we'd have to, you know, get in the car and drive somewhere until the game came in better. I mean, but it was, you know, you had to move the antenna just right. Uh, fortunately, those days are behind us. Put your hand out the window, Kyle. <laughs> Help us out, brother. Yeah, you, you know, you put uh, like the old put put aluminum foil on the <laughs> but, rabbit uh, ears. Yeah, but well, fortunately, fortunately, those days are behind us. But but I can certainly believe that. I remember, and obviously, this is a little bit different because uh, this was baseball, not football or men's basketball. But it was also a sign of the times there in the the final year. Of the uh, final year, yet yeah, ignoring Craig's comments about my AOL dial-up, <laughs> you've got mail. But uh, you've got mail. But yeah, I recall back. I guess it was Coach O's final season in 1997. You know, we didn't have a game tracker. We didn't have any any mm-hmm. audio. I was my dad and I would take turns. We were calling the press box at Granger Stadium to get the scores in the CAA baseball tournament. Oh man! Wow. Well, mm. so we, otherwise we had to wait to the next day to get it in the Winston-Salem Journal n- newspaper. So you're right about that. I didn't even yeah, the college baseball coverage as a whole has come a long way. I remember when um, Henry started covering games on uh, 98.3, and uh, you know we weren't. He wasn't even doing all the games yet. Yeah, but I just remember call, calling that press box, and then all of a sudden, you you know, there's they were so you were calling Granger Stadium, and I'm sure that may have been how they were instructed to answer the phone. And you hear Granger Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you guys, the, the exposure we got the last two years from being on traditional ESPN right. in the regionals versus Texas last year, oh this God. year versus for Virginia. I'll tell you, I you know. I had more people approach me in the last week up here in the Northeast to talk about East Carolina because they watched the regional against Virginia. I've had more people talk to me about that than, than I ever get from football. And I'm being dead serious. That's uh, interesting. Uh, well, it really is. I mean, I've had 15, 20 people come up to me in the last week. Hey, you know, got a chance to watch East Carolina. They look great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And same well, thing. Because they're seeing us beat Oklahoma. And, and to them, that's a big deal because they know the name Oklahoma. Correct, correct. And 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 last year, you know, same thing with, with, with Texas. And, right. But tremendous exposure. I mean, that – those, you know, playing in the regional year in and year out, playing well against against those opponents, I mean, it, it, it's, it's valuable. And I just wanted to share that because I don't always get a lot of people up here in the Northeast talk to me about East Carolina. And – it, it, it is interesting. Well, does that, anybody in Connecticut watch college football? 
Uh, UConn is, is – it could have been another reason they were watching, uh, Matt. UConn's in the, in the regionals also. They're going to the Big 12. There was a little buzz. I'll tell you, there was a little buzz. A lot of people thought that UConn should have hosted. Uh, you know, I think they were – They were a bubble host team. Yeah. I mean, they were they were right on the fringe. And How about UConn, one of only 12 teams to have a bowl game, a basketball NCAA tournament appearance, and a baseball regional, one of only 12 teams. And we were only 30 teams to go to the regionals and a bowl game. Wow. That's interesting stat. Very interesting stat. I have not heard that. That's awesome, Kyle. Makes uh, perfect sense. But uh, UConn, but guys, have you, are you hearing more about that? UConn to the Big 12? Uh, not, not recently, but it, it'll be interesting to see with the inevitable moves, the Pac-12 you know, once the Pac-12 TV deal is done, um, you will either see a mass exodus. I think Washington and Oregon are going to go to the Big Ten. I think that's going to happen no matter what. Because you're not just going to have two teams on the West Coast. Um, so, what about, what about Colorado and Coach Prime? You know, I think that that's the thing, um, uh, Bubba, is that there's a lot of talk. The Colorado and Arizona are going to go to the uh, – Big 12, unless the Pac-12 strikes a TV deal that is unexpected. A lot of people think the Pac-12 TV deal is going to be very underwhelming. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think if if Pac-12 is in that 15 to 20 million range, I think you, you'll see Arizona and um, Colorado Bell, even before Oregon and Washington get the invite, to the Big Ten, which I think is inevitable. Yeah, the Arizona AD uh, was on one of y'all's favorite shows, Paul Feinbaum, and he actually <laughs> Feinbaum. I love him. Um, I love to rip his ears off his head. No, I I, I really do. Um, but he actually was very like you could tell there was like even though he was being diplomatic, he was very. Uh, it seemed like he was frustrated the way he answered about that very thing about leaving, you know, and there was rumors that they're going to the, the big 12, you know, this week. And it's like, it's almost like a wait and see, you know, like the commissioner, you know, they said that there's a deal already done with the PAC 12 media deal. And I don't, I mean, what I'll ask you guys this, I know we're running way long, but what kind of deal would it take for those teams to stay intact? I mean, for that league to stay intact, I mean, it seems like to me it's already. I, I think I think Oregon and Washington are going to go no matter what. So you know I don't know. That's the whole thing. What kind of te- they they've lost UCLA and USC. So if it's a foregone conclusion, and I think it is that Oregon and Washington are going to the Big Ten eventually, what kind of TV deal can they get? I don't know. Um, Addie Carolina. <laughs> huh. I'm joking. I said, as we were just talking about eyeballs, I said, Addie's Carolina. Uh, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't. I, <laughs> what kind of TV deal can keep Oregon and Washington from the Big Ten? I would say nothing. Nothing. Um, nothing. They're, they're going. What, what, what kind of TV deal? If they could get a TV deal of twenty million or more, regardless of Oregon and Washington staying then I think you may have the four corner schools, Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, and Utah stay. If it's below $20 million, um, it's going to depend on the language of the TV contract. Because I, could, Do you think they could get 30 I think I think right now with Oregon and Washington, yes. 
But what is the language of the television contract yeah. going to say? Is it going to say if, if Oregon and Washington leave, the TV contract is going to be renegotiated? Um, if, I was, if I was the Pac-12 and, and I was running things and I had um, – I was talking to TV people and I had a TV partner offer me $30 million, I would say how about – with the caveat, if Oregon and Washington leave, the deal gets renegotiated. I would say how about this? I would say how about you go ahead and just give us $22 million and we're not going to renegotiate no matter what happens. Because I, I, I think then you could get maybe a bigger commitment already from from an Oregon, excuse me, from an Arizona, et cetera. Because I think what's going to happen, if, if they initially sign a $25, $30 million TV deal and Oregon and Washington leaves, I think, I think it's going to get renegotiated and those four corner schools are all going to go and the whole league's going to fall apart. So, um if, if I'm negotiating deals for the for the Pac-12, I'm trying to sign a deal that doesn't have any kind of caveats to it. No, 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 no matter who leaves, this is what we get, even if that means you're taking less money up front. Do y'all agree with that or not? Yeah, I mean, they actually talked about uh, they want, they're, they're wanting them to sign a grant of rights deal. Uh, oh, Oregon and Washington's not going to do that. So, like, it would have to – it would have to be a huge amount of money – be locked in, but yeah, even you, still, what you may have happened, Dave, and I, you, Oregon and Washington may go ahead and get that because Oregon and Washington, you know, it's going to hold up TV negotiations, signing ground of rights, et cetera, et cetera. You could see, and you haven't heard much, but you didn't hear much speculation before USC and UCLA went to the Big Ten. It just happened all at once. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if you see next. Oregon and Washington being invited into the Big Ten in, in the next in the next four to six weeks. Yeah, it's sometime in uh, what I was told, like what I've been hearing, like on national media, that the month of July is when the next dominoes are going to. We'll see, but July is what I'm hearing. Like, so that would be that'll be interesting to see. Like, uh, it's always fun, actually, not fun for maybe uh, the people that are in that conference, but just interesting in the off season for those dominoes to drop and how is it going to affect East Carolina. Well, what do you guys think about – Let's all right, so let's just say these dominoes fall, right? Let's say you have – you know, to Kyle's point, let's say you have Oregon, Washington go Big Ten. You have Colorado. Uh, Utah, Arizona, Arizona Utah, State, Big, Pac, or Big, uh, Big, Big 12. Big 12, you know, you're, you're left with, you know, your Stanford, your Washington State. They, uh, they At that point, I'm assuming they go Mountain West, right? I don't know their conference bylaws, Matt, if – if the conference bylaws say the majority can vote to dissolve the league, um, then if, if the league is still less, standing, right? huh? Isn't it like if you have four or less schools? If something in there, I, I, I don't know. Each conference has their own bylaws. Yeah. It's not. It's not all the right. same. So no, I, I, I don't know. Um, if they're left with if if they're left with Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. And and the conference and the schools leave. You can't vote to dissolve the league. I, I think the Pac-12 will survive. Take who they want from the Mountain West, along with SMU and probably Tulane, and um, keep keep on trucking along and be what they'll be. Um, if the bylaws say the teams leaving majority can dissolve the league, then I think those four probably do end up in the Mountain West. Although. If you're the American, do you try to get them? Um, I would. Or how about and, and how about this? Uh, this a best crazy, of the rest, we, a, a best of the rest league, where you take the best from the American, 
those Pac-12 schools from Mountain West to form a whole new league? Is that where you're oh, going? That's exactly where I'm going. A, a merger with the Mountain West, which I think gives you a little more protection. It gives you a little more stability. I think it makes the league a little more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think you see a merger, but I could see a new league forming between those three leagues, those four schools from the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the American, where you kind of select uh, a handful of teams from each league and form a new coast-to-coast league. But we I'll could, tell you, I would be a lot more excited about seeing something like that as an East Carolina fan than this this future American conference that we're about. Oh, to Oh yeah, you. you I mean, you this is help with me. Yeah, I mean, this this is just it's not appealing to me at all. What do you think this new conference? What, no, what do you not. think that if if you had like that very thing where you had a merger or a new league, what kind of money could you get compared to the new league, the league, not the new league, the new league versus? Well, let's say you have those four Pac-12 schools. Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. And you, you, you add in Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Air Force, um, Air Force um, S- wow. SMU, Tulane, Memphis, East Carolina, South Florida, Temple. Um, and now you got Air Force, and now you're going to bring in Navy, so you're probably going to get Army. That's a pretty good league. Wow. Yeah, I, I really – that's what I you would got all the academies together now in that in that league we just came up with. That's gonna get you some television money. I mean, you got a lot of big media markets in there, you got a lot of good football schools. I would say probably somewhere in the I would probably probably more than the current American. Would you um, go I, I would say probably in the fifteen million dollar per team That's type right. deal. That's what I would think too. It it makes sense. I mean and, and you know, to Craig's point, I mean uh, if the PGA PGA and the live can merge exactly you know there's no reason why something like that can't happen exactly and i think it's forward thinking i think it's being proactive i think it's uh being on offense instead of just kind of sitting back and waiting yeah yeah reactive yeah exactly and and another thing very quickly dave um regarding the pga liv uh, live golf merger um, we will have East Carolina alum John McGinnis, you know, who we've had on the program before. He will return to discuss that and more. I and thought you were going to say we were going. When are we going to get uh, Varner on? He's agreed to come on. Uh, we'll see. Maybe we can make that happen soon. But uh, you know, there has been some dialogue with HV3, and uh, he's agreed to come on. Um, just a matter of. You know, he's so busy finding the time to make it happen. uh, I'll tell you guys, is there a bigger hypocrite anywhere in the world than the commissioner of the the PGA right now? I mean, (laughs) he looks, he looks terrible. The players are going to revolt against him. He's done. He is toast. I'm telling you, there's no way he can survive this. He can't. I I, I don't know what you're referring to. Oh my God! Because the merger, the merger. Well, what's wrong with the merger? Was he was he like so against the? Oh, just guys like like Rory McIlroy and and uh, Tiger. Talk about the Saudi Tiger, money. Tiger Tiger Woods and different ones that stuck with the PGA, and and now the PGA Tour goes and gets in bed with LIV, so to speak. Yeah, they're talking with about the Saudis. Yeah, yeah, with the Saudis gets in bed with the Saudi. Well, I got uh, you know. Hey, so let me ask you guys, a lot of people ask. consider it selling, you know, selling out. You sure? Yeah, out, blood, money. Blood, blood money, blood, blood, blood yeah. money. Well, let me ask. I, you. I'm, I'm familiar with this conversation with the WWE and, and right. them doing shows in Saudi Arabia. And you know, one of my biggest problems with them, and we'll talk about the LPGA, 
But one of my biggest problems with them is, you know, the, the way the Saudis treat women. And, you know, when, when, when those WWE shows go over there, they have the women have to completely cover up 100%. If I was a woman, I would refuse to go wrestle in Saudi Arabia. I wouldn't care what the payoff is. You couldn't pay me enough. And, um, the, you know, that's my biggest problem. You know, if you're, if, if you're a Muslim, you're a Muslim. I, you know, I'm not going to get into religious faith, but I do have a big problem with the Saudis treat women. And, uh, and, you know, how does that affect the LPGA? Is the LPGA actually owned by the PGA? Or, or is it his own standalone thing? Uh, I think it's owned by the PGA off the top of my head, but I'd have to. Okay. See, how does that, you know, how does that, how, how do those ladies we, feel about I, this? If, if uh, let me ask you guys a question because we all want the Pirates to win. Let's say the Saudis or the LIB or whatever. What if they gave us $20 million a year? Would you, uh, would you like, soften up to the Saudis on that or oh, I take the money. Why not? Everybody else is doing it. Yes, sir. Take it. Um, uh, I, yeah, you know, you know practice facility in one year. Well, the, yeah, yeah, sure. Great. Yeah. Take the money. I don't see that happening. I have no idea why the Saudis would want to buy in East Carolina. I'm just uh, saying, I'm just saying like, as far as we love the pirates and if they were to yeah, get it. I, I would take the money. Yeah, of course. Uh, we, we're in no position not to, um, at the same time, like, uh, if they came to me and wanted to give me $2 million to go do something in Saudi Arabia, I'd go do it. If they offered it to my wife, I'd say, hell no, you're not going. I, I don't care how much money they're offering you right. because their, their reputation of how they treat women is not very well. And I hate the idea that the Saudis are, are, are getting their hands into everything. They've, they're, they're, they're all over boxing now. You see some oh, yeah. of the biggest heavyweight title fights in the last few years are in Saudi Arabia. And I just hate that they're getting their hands into everything and, uh, personally, I want to do everything I can to keep them away I agree from, from American sports because now that they've inf- – now, here's what gets really scary. Now that they've infiltrated the PGA, who's to say they don't try to infiltrate the NFL, the NBA? And if that sounds crazy, think about it from this perspective. Well, nobody like, thought six, I don't think it's crazy at all, man. Ago. Yeah. I mean, because, hey, one thing we've learned is that everything is about money. Everything is about money, and they have unlimited financial resources. Well, look, Matt, you didn't know this probably, but right there in Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut, where WWE is headquartered, until you know their merger with the UFC, uh, and you know, ended up happening when Vince announced he was selling. Um, it looked like at one point the Saudis was going to buy the WWE. So yeah, at some point, do do they buy, you know, an, an NFL franchise? I'd be willing to bet you money they do. No doubt. And that's what scares me a little bit about. That's why I'm so against the PGA merging uh, with the LIV. I just, uh, for me, I didn't like it at all. I mean, you know, they might put another team in, um, you know, the, the Oakland. You know, Oakland needs a team. They could be the Oakland terrorist. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. wow. That's great. Yeah. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Oakland. <laughs> You know, Oakland is going. Did you, did you guys see that about the baseball show? About how how much the Oakland A's owe, um, owe, owe like for the Coliseum? It's ridiculous. Like, how in the world are they going to have? I don't know how they're going to be able to pay that off. And uh, they they definitely need. Speaking of salty money, it was like was it forty forty five million that they would have to pay the lease agreement to get out of that dump of the Oakland. I mean, there's no, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. I mean, they want out of Oakland. They, they want, they're going to, they're going to Vegas. I mean, I grew up an A's fan. Um, I, you know, I became a Cubs fan as a teenager, but as a small child, I love the A's because of the Bash brothers, 
You know, you had Kaseko McGuire, you had Ricky Henderson stealing bases. They were so much fun to watch. Um, so, you know, part of me hates to see the A's leave Oakland, but, you know, it is what it is. That, well, that, that, the economy crazy. in that area is just so bad. It's awful. They, yeah. So. No doubt. I mean, they've lost every – hey, Matt, they've. Uh, you're a pro guy. They've lost every single – the A's is the last thing that they have. Yeah. They've lost everything. The Warriors, you know, that city is so crime infested, guys. Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to be there. Nobody it's amazing. Detroit still has the Tigers and the Lions and the Pistons. Well, Detroit is actually having a resurgence. There's a lot of people that are buying houses and fixing them up. These really like rundown houses. There's all kinds of people that. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right, Kyle. There was a time that Detroit was. Uh, a huge eyesore, but they're starting to, I don't know how long that takes to be, you know, will it be like re-energized, revitalized, whatever, but there's been some movement there. Um, not, but definitely Oakland hasn't done Jack and they, and they definitely would. And they definitely would. Um, they haven't done anything to save their teams. Um, they're politicians. So, um, Oh, no, they got bigger problems. They, 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 yeah. they, they can't, you know, they can't, you can't get blood out of the turnip. You know, they can't afford to tax their people to build a new stadium. I mean, it just, it just is what it is. I mean, Oakland is, 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 is a city that, that's, it's the, it's the, it's the West Coast equivalent of a Rust Belt town. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, you lose the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders should be in Oakland, but uh, Vegas is a calling. And, you know, they're going to get um, – Vegas is going to get a basketball team, NBA, for a long – in fact, uh, I heard this last week. There's change in the name. We've known Vegas for many years, the nickname of Sin City. Now they're calling it Sports City. So um, we'll see how that plays out. Do you guys yeah, have a – I agree uh, with that, Dave. I do think you're going to see in the next five years – an NBA team go to Vegas. I mean, wouldn't you guys like if we go to Vegas? Wouldn't you like to see a, um, like a, I mean, a sports team while you're there? There's going to be no. a lot of people like us that are going to see. It, like, no. You're not. No, I'm going to Vegas. Last thing on my is going to be going to a ball game. <laughs> I'm not touching that one, Matt. Kyle, <laughs> tell me your top five places you would go before that. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what kind of farm? Uh, Amber, uh, uh, Lisa. Uh, <laughs> some kind of. I said farm. He said top five places. Top five places. There you go. Oh, hey, uh, no, no, Vegas. Vegas would be a lot of fun. You know, I actually, honestly, I'm being, I'm being, I'm being facetious here, uh, but. I, I honestly, I don't associate besides a bet besides betting and gambling and boxing. I don't associate Vegas with going to a ball game. Um, although you know, depending on what well, time of year, I may go to an A's game if I was in town. I, I would have. I'm not an NFL guy. I would have no interest in going to a Raiders game. Um, but I may go to an A's game if I was in town. All right. What about uh, what about you, you, brother? You find Kyle in the black hole. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in what? some of the uh, some of the uh, paraphernalia or what or whatnot uh, that um, the Raiders fans wear. Yeah. I can, I can see Kyle great. dressed in all black and like. Some, I, some I, I dress like, in all black with pirate stuff on it all the time. That's my <laughs> that's my go to, Bubba. So that's what you have to do. Yeah, you'd have to. You could do that, and they would think you're a Raiders fan. 
Oh. It'll be some kind of cool. Uh, definitely, I'm going to Vegas. But, next but yeah, but yeah, Dave, to answer your question, yeah, if I happen to be in Vegas and and of depending on what's going on from a sports standpoint, uh, you know, whether it was whether it was college or pro, you know, you know, UNLV or um, obviously the the Raiders. The NBA, they're going to, yeah, the NBA are going to add two teams. They're going to give Seattle the Supersonics back, and they're having a Vegas team. That's what I've been told. Have you heard that, Matt? You're an NBA guy. Yeah, they, they've been rumored. Seattle's been rumored for years and years. And, uh, you know, I, I I was surprised when when the Supersonics left Seattle, to be honest, years right. ago. Yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely a possibility, too. You know, you know, the owner of the Seattle Supersonicos used to celebrate Hanukkah. Cal will be a distraction in the stadium with all the glitter on his clothes from other st- stops in Vegas. I, I <laughs> Greg, I'm, I'm going to just uh, go ahead. You, you can figure this one out. I'm not wasting my time in a strip club. Okay. <laughs> like I said, you're going to be going to the ranches outside of Vegas in Nevada, Nevada, however you pronounce it. So, absolutely. We're at two hours now, over two hours. Bubba, I know that we're really excited. <laughs> What I, I won't finish that off. <laughs> it what, like what the hell was that, Bubba? This is Doubtfire. No, no, I'm talking about from the from the Hangover where where he was rolling up. I thought he, I, you know what, Dave? I thought he was doing that Mrs. Doubtfire thing too. I'm sorry, I, I forgot about it. yeah the Hangover is one. Yeah, of my it was too high pitch. To the loo, mother. Uh, there you go. I'll, I'll let Cal finish it off. Mother truckers. Oh well, you can yeah. just say truckers, Bubba. Just say truckers. Yeah, uh, we have a great interview uh, this afternoon. We had with uh, the AAC champion Lady Pirates, uh, Kim McNeil, the head coach. Uh, she sat down with me. We uh, had a great time this afternoon and great to be able to talk to her about a new contract and uh, the players that are coming in. Uh, by the way, Kyle, by the way, Kyle, I make a mm-hmm. prediction right now. Mm-hmm. Late December. Hey, Bubba, am I wrong on this? Late December, you and Jessica, Bubba and I, will be at a game in Williams Arena because there's a huge team coming for the Lady Pirates. That's all we can say right now. They haven't signed on the dotted line yet, but um, you guys can probably figure out who it is, but that's going to be huge for Lady Pirates. I, I can't figure out who it is at all. Uh, would it be Don Staley and the uh, <laughs> blank and doodle do? Yep. They're from who, the, who'd you say? South of the border. The Gamecocks. Oh, we're playing them in Wilderness. from Howard Stern and uh, <laughs> Private Parts. Blank a doodle do. The the well the, <laughs> well the men the the men the men's Gamecocks are coming to Benji's this year. So that's right. Want to have the ladies? That I mean, if we don't have uh, guys, we don't have like five thousand people for that game. Um, we'll, that place will be packed. Well, we never did for UConn. Uh, no, but I think uh, there's yeah, we did. Yeah, there's a different era for uh, women's basketball too at East Carolina. Oh, that's, that's one of those things. The the whole um, you know they were they were showing up to watch UConn like people showed up this year to watch the Houston's men's team. Now, obviously, it's more extreme on the women's side, and not to mention UConn, um, you know, having a decent number of alumni in the the Raleigh you know Triangle area. No doubt about it. We'll. That's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see if that uh, comes to fruition. And uh, next Tuesday, we'll have an opportunity to sit down with John Gilbert, the 
director of athletics for East Carolina. Looking forward to that. A lot of great things to be talking about. Well, how, how have I missed that? The Gilbert's coming on the show Tuesday. Yes, we texted. No, I feel I feel like I'm being left out. No, we texted. Yeah. Look at your look at your group. This will be a re- recorded audio only, um, and so we'll have that for you. You know, probably Tuesday evening is when we'll air it. Okay, what time are we get, get, you guys get with me after the show? What time we're doing yes. that? Uh, we'll let you know. Yeah. We'll get your group text. You're so still in I the can. circle of trust. Uh, well, good. Uh, well, there's so many damn group texts, guys. We've got three or four fifty groups here, so I, I missed half the mess. Uh, group text. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I yeah, I, I definitely need to make arrangements with work so I can take part in that interview. No doubt, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Ryan, this Robinson. just in: John Gilbert cancels the interview. <laughs> I hope not. I don't think so. We'll see. Uh, that's going to be fun because we've got again a lot to talk about with him and a lot of good stuff with Pirates Unite. The Michigan game, there's uh, scheduling, there's all kinds of uh, the indoor practice facility. We'll see all about that, but that'll be next Tuesday. We'll, and if you have a question you would like, Bubba, they can obviously uh, hit us up on email, right? That they can get a, a question in if uh, they're folks that want to ask uh, John Gilbert a question for next week. Yep. You can always reach out to us, thesportsobj at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at thesportsobj. Um, you can also Reach us on IG, Instagram, um, that is at the Sports Objective. And the same thing on TikTok, uh, also Facebook as well. Yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of good topics to discuss with, uh, with uh, John um, from, from NIL to, to conference realignment to scheduling to uh, obviously the, the success we had on the diamond and on the court and on the, and on the field this year. Et cetera, et cetera, from, from Pirates Unite. Lots of things to, to talk about with uh, with John. And uh, season tickets. Football season tickets. Yeah. That, that'll start picking up now that baseball is over um, in the next few weeks. That'll pick up. So Yeah, we'll we look- haven't had a chance to talk about uh, You got Michigan on Peacock. You got Marshall we announced today on ESPNU, 4 p.m. Appalachian State will be on um, ESPN Plus at 3.30 p.m. Gardner Webb, ESPN Plus, 6 p.m., and SMU, ESPN, Thursday night, October 12th at 7 p.m. Yeah, so, so far, so good. I love the uh, times so far. look great for uh, the Pirates, for sure. And by the way, before we forget, let's do a pgxgloves.com. Uh, you want to do a picture of the year, guys, and player of the year? I'm putting you guys on the spot here. But... Yeah, I got a picture of the year, Trey, you savage. Yep. Uh, player of the year, I'll go uh, Will Coxon. Or, no, Moylan. Yeah, Moylan. Moylan, yeah. What do you think, guys? Matt, what do you think? Uh, I'd, I'd have to agree with Kyle on that. You savage and uh, and Moylan with a, with a huge yeah. bounce back year. That's why Moylan goes is because he had the sophomore yeah. slump, if you will, and this year, his junior year, he bounced back. So what about you, Bubba? Uh, just to be a little bit different because he's also very deserving, I'll go with my PGXGloves.com pitcher of the year, Danny Bill. Um, Danny yep. Bill ha- had out of the Pirates, um, what, 66 games. He appeared in 31 of those, and opponents hit something like a, a buck 95 against him. It was unbelievable, yeah. So, um, so yeah, man, you can't go wrong with Trey Savage or Danny Bill as your PGXGloves.com pitcher of the year. And as far as the player of the year, definitely have to think a little bit more about that. Um, you, I mean, you have Will Coxon, uh, you know, who's so good both offensively and defensively. 
Uh, you know, Joey Barini, we talked about what he did on both sides. Um, Carter, Carter Cunningham, who had entered the transfer portal. Uh, there's that word again, portal. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he decided to come back and are, are we glad he did? Uh, you know, I, and he, he's a first team all AAC player and hit 317. Um, you know, hit hit eight home runs and just had a heck of a year. And, you know, obviously you also had Jacob Starling and Josh Moreland who had tremendous years. But And then you have a kind of a sentimental favorite, uh, Lane Hoover, all, yeah. he, all he did for the Pirates. Um, but So um, Bubba's saying the whole damn team. No, no I'm not, I didn't. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying, I, mean, you, I was just illustrating how much harder that decision is to make um, as opposed to the pitching side. Uh, let's see. I'll.com team of the year. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Just buying some time until I made a decision, but um, no, also illustrating how many options you have there. Shoot. I, uh, I'll go. Um, Bob is struggling I'll go, with this. I, 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 I'll go Justin Wilcox, I guess. <laughs> All right. I, I went Wilcox initially and changed it to Moylan. So I like your pick, Bubba. Yeah, there you go. It's good to be different. Yeah, you, there, there are a few there that you couldn't go wrong with. Now, fellas, I have my wife in the background chirping away at me, <laughs> requesting, right. requesting, now that the Pirates are out, that, that you guys uh, show some words to the Gators. All right. Um, Southern Miss to the top. <laughs> I can live with the Gators. I can leave with the Gators. D- Dave's in agreement. Kyle's on, on the Southern Miss train. Love you, yeah, I can go Gators. Hey, he'll pull for the Gators to beat the Cox. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, are they playing in the Supers? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll definitely take Florida and South Carolina. I'm going Florida. Florida. I'm going Florida all the way, and that I can definitely, uh, I can definitely pull from in the Supers uh, for sure, uh, no doubt. All right, do you guys have anything before we go? Uh, I don't want Chrissy and uh, Justin. In, in, in the words for Chrissy, and the words of that senator that used to be from Florida, go Gator. <laughs> Go Gator. Go Gator. Go Gator. <laughs> I would like to I would like congratulate uh, <laughs> Ir, Ir, Coach Irvin Meyer of the Florida Gators on his victory. Go Gator. Go Gator. Irvin Meyer. Well, <laughs> like the internet. It. If you don't guys, if you don't know what we're talking about, look it up on YouTube. All right. Well, we put a wrap uh, bow on the 2023 season. Uh, disappointing. Obviously, we'll be playing this weekend, but very proud of the team and 47 and 19, winning that uh, four straight, four straight regular seasons of uh, the champions in the AAC, and of course, uh, regional championship final at UVA uh, coming up short. But uh, no doubt, it's going to be a great 2024 campaign. All right, so appreciate everybody this year watching. Of course, extra innings. We'll be back in uh, February. As uh, we will continue the show, but as far as this specialty show, uh, we do it just obviously in season. Peach, uh, appreciate pgxgloves.com. Thank you, Kaz. We're another guy we're going to have on the show very soon. We work out his schedule. Mark Minikazi, of course, the third baseman during the Randy Maisie era of uh, the baseball uh, ECU Pirates. Uh, thank you very much, Craig. It was so great to see you in Charlottesville. And um, that makes me think about it was so great to see all our friends. There's so many great uh, fans in Pirate Nation that we've become friends with because of the show. We appreciate you very, very much. And I'm glad that uh, everybody got back home safely. 
And uh, hey, tough, tough day for the office for us, but we're looking forward to next uh, February for sure. All right, for Matt, Kyle, Bubba, appreciate you, Bubba, behind the scenes as well. I'm Dave Richmond, and this has been Extra Innings on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Every first down, every touchdown with a cannon's blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going like a hurricane.